Welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Are you ready, Mr. Cuny? I am ready, Mr. Cuthbert. Let's go! Machos, honchos, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. It's Wednesday, March 9th. Your truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down Sports Hunters Ward here in the great state of New York. And it's time to bring on your favorite honcho of mine, Mr. Robert Cooney from the great state of Maryland, buddy. How are you? Salutations, everybody. Like I said, I'm a smidge out of practice. Welcome to March. In like a lion, out like a lamb. Or some such nonsense. You That's been, your weather buddy? report. That's your, your Wednesday weather report, everybody. Oh, buddy, that our last show a couple weeks ago, ladies and gentlemen out there, uh, for uh, those of you uh, tuning in and didn't uh, listen to the show two weeks ago, we did the little... Shame, first of all, if you didn't yes. listen two weeks ago. Shame! But we did do a little bit of Yacht Rock, uh, you know, radio show hosts. Uh, it was pretty funny yeah, stuff. We did. Weatherman and... Uh, right. The the Pete Moss and Less Humid show. Yes, it was fantastic. Good stuff. But now this is a brand new show. A new, new month. month. New month, new show. Same nonsense. And new sports stuff to talk about. Yeah, and, the uh, sports sack is just bursting all over, my friends. Well, I like what you, what did you call it? Yeah, it's, it's all, it, Rob always calls it a steaming pile. It's a steaming pile. Or, it's a steaming pile or a steaming plate or a steaming tray. Yes. That's usually how I used to start my shows. And the I steaming also, tray of lasagna, the steaming pile of goodness. And I also like your, your email header. Uh, Topic Thunder. Hey, you like that? That was which reminds was, me of one of my favorite com- comedy movies, Tropic. That's Thunder. why I was hoping, uh, you know, hoping you'd you'd get there. Sorry, oh, I just true. played that totally at random. No, I love it, man. I love that movie. Um, I needed oxygen when I saw it in the, in the theater. There was some some great parts. I'm not the biggest. I'm not the biggest fan of that movie. Oh come on! I'll tell you what I am a fan of though. Uh, over the weekend, I saw the Batman, the new one. The new one. I was I was out on that movie when I saw the first trailer. Very dark, and I just thought it was just over the top. And Robert Pattinson is goth, angsty Bruce Wayne. But then I saw it. I feel a build up well, here. I started coming back around. I saw another, the better trailer, the longer one that wasn't quite as dark. Although the whole movie's dark. So, uh, you know, get ready. It'll be like it'll be like a mole coming out from underground after the three hours that's going to take you to see this movie. But it's very good. Is it that and long? Look, yes. Awesome. But it doesn't feel like three hours. This is very strange. It doesn't feel like three hours. But you can clearly see where they could cut and slice and dice some of that fat off of the bone. But what I like about this movie, unlike many others, including the Nolan ones, which are still superior, but this one's like right there. It's like right a close number two to the Nolan ones. It's more about Batman and less about Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is almost like an ancillary character. They don't go into much of his origin or his hangups or just you see Bruce Wayne because you have to, but it's really about Batman and it's more of the classic Batman as detective, not so much Batman as, you know, moody vigilante. 
Well, that's yeah. promising, and I, and I like that, that angle. Uh, one more thing. I'm sorry. I'm going to cut you off. Pattinson, poo-poo is Bruce Wayne. Great as Batman. And since the movie was more focused on Batman, that made it all the better. So Good, man, because hey, look, let's put it all, let's be honest here. Whether you're a kid or an adult, you grow up about whatever. We're Batman fans. We're not Bruce Wayne fans, you right. know? So that's promising to hear that. I'll get around to it. Um, I watched a little. I caught the end of a, a movie that came out in 2018. Wow. Called Robin Hood. Like a more modern version of Robin Hood. Oh, with with Taron Egerton, the guy from. Uh, uh, Jamie Foxx is in it. That's a good one. That's a really yeah, good well, one. I was I was actually quite surprised. I was like, this is well done. And the guy yeah. who plays the the sheriff of Nottingham, um, the bad guy. Did you yeah, I can't think of his name at the top of my head. But he was also in my favorite Star Wars movie, which is uh, Rogue One. Mm. And he plays the bad guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. He was um, also in Bloodline, that TV show um, that was on Netflix, I believe, with uh, Kyle Chandler. And he was also in that um, video game movie Spielberg made. Uh, yeah, Ready Player One. Oh, fantastic flick, too. Yeah, he's he's really good. I mean, the, the Sheriff Nottingham, of course, the best one is still Alan Rickman. The late great super sky point for Alan Rickman, but that movie with Kevin Costner was terrible, <laughs> saved only by Alan Rickman. So when when this new one came out that you were talking about, I was mm, super skeptical. I'm like, <laughs> I hope it's just as good as Robin Hood Men in Tights, but it's certainly <laughs> going to be better than the Kevin Costner one. I'd rather see Mel Brooks's dopey comedy than see another serious crack at it. But it was good. Uh, Jamie Foxx was good in that character, and and. Of course, you know, Taron Edgerton, Elton John, and a Kingsman. I, and I haven't the seen the Kingsman. The no, I haven't seen those movies yet. You what? I haven't seen those uh, movies yet, the Kingsman things. Oh, you you, you got to put that on your list. Are they good? I haven't seen the Kingsman, which is the prequel, but uh, the first two were good. You liked them? One, the first one especially was really good. The second one was okay. The uh, first one was really good. And, of course, you know, the Elton John movie Rocket Man was fantastic. Yes, it I, was. I liked it. I, I know I'm in the minority here. I liked it better than Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> May lightning strike me dead. No, Sorry. you know, that's a common, that's, you're not the only one. There are a lot of people who absolutely thoroughly enjoyed the Elton John uh, flick more than the Bohemian Rhapsody. So you're... I mean, I, I like Bohemian Rhapsody. I just liked Elton John's. I liked Rocket Man just a smidge better. It's great. Elton was in town here this weekend, Long Island. Played a couple of shows at the Nassau Mausoleum. And uh, he, uh, he's he been selling out everywhere here in the... Nassau Mausoleum. Yes. I like how you put that. Oh, that's what it used to... That's what us Strangers fans used to... Actually, I'm sorry. That is a Steve Summers legendary uh, uh, sports radio disc jockey on WFN. Because he would say the, the Icelanders tonight at the Mausoleum. Aroid, the Jet Repolitan, Jet Repolitan. I think he, he had something with the Jets and the Mets. They combined those two. And Well, he would always call the Mets the Metropolitans. Well, he always did. Yeah. He also called them the Knickerbockers because he's yes. old school. <laughs> I miss him already. Hey, the best thing to come out of uh, Costner's Robin Hood is obviously especially for Brian Adams, is the big hit single, Everything yeah. I Do. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That, that, was, that single... Song was that, that, kind of, that, that lengthened his career by a couple of years. Ridiculous. It's just like one of the top-selling singles of all time. 
that tune. Mm. It's good stuff. Yeah. All right, pal. Well, look, we got a sports show to do here. Um, movies, honchos, uh, DVDs will be coming out down the road. And uh, but we got to start off uh, as we always do now at uh, where it well. What do you got for us this evening? Well, before we do that, I, I forgot to mention. I don't want to get too far afield. First, um, speaking of New York and the Isle of Long, uh, a big Honcho's special, uh, sports Honcho's birthday wish to one Patrick Sakura. Get out! Our Why didn't you put that in the topic Thunder Notes? I, I I was gonna surprise you with it and him with him. He's uh, forty seven years young today. So hold on, let's give him one of these. Uh, there you go. That's uh, our live studio audience showing their appreciation for one Pat Sikora. So happy birthday to him. And two days ago, on March the 7th, um, was the birthday of another great American. Okay, the woman who has only made one mistake in her life, <laughs> and that's uh, giving birth to me. That's right, my my mother. Oh, it's mom's birthday too? So, yeah, big... Big week, big birthday week here in uh, Cunyland. Wow. Well, we have to play this for your buddy out there on the island of Long first. This not is not for my mom. Maybe a little No, we got to do something. Yeah, exactly. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but a very happy birthday to mom. I wish you had told me that too. I would have prepared something. I'm sorry. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Happy birthday to you. All right, see, there you go, baby. Fantastic. Outstanding. You still a Mets fan? Yes, although nothing to cheer for these days, but uh, still a Mets fan. In fact, we saw the, the Batman together, and he had his Mets uh, paraphernalia on. Mets fans love the CBA negotiations. It delays yeah. the pain and the heartache. That's true. That is true. But, you know, I bless the Mets fans. They're uh, they're diehard fans, so you can't really. Uh, they just spent all this money, and I can't use it yet. No. They've got the, you got these the shiny new toy and old Max Scherzer. Just sitting there under the bubble wrap. Getting older every day. Every yeah, inning that goes by. <laughs> he, he and, uh, he and, he and uh, DeGrom are like milk in the refrigerator. Not getting any younger. Getting close to those expiration dates. But anyway, as you said, it is time for who wore it best. I'm ready. Ready, sir. All right. This is the uh, 53rd episode. And so in honor of number 53, we turn to the great... The late great died way too young. Number 53 in your scorecard, number one in your heart, Donald Scott Drysdale of your Brooklyn, yes, Brooklyn, and Los Angeles Dodgers. Hall of Famer, Don Drysdale, I might add. One of the greats, one of the greats of the game. Elected to the Hall of Fame in 1984, Cy Young Award winner in 62, when he won 25 games, and that was when they only gave one award. Pals. Not one for NLNAL, just Uno Cy Young Award. Um, 58.2 consecutive scoreless innings in 1968, which was broken 20 years later by Oral Hershiser, the year the Dodgers won the World Series. Mm -hmm. uh, he won three World Series in his career. And here's my, my favorite Don Drysdale stat. Well, let me give you one more before I give you my favorite. You got it. Uh, when he retired, he held the National League record for most seasons with 200 or more strikeouts with six when he retired in 69. But here's my favorite Don Drysdale stat. So I said he won. They won the World Series, three of them, uh, 58, 
sorry, 59, 63, and 65. In 1965, when they, the Dodgers won the World Series, he was the only person in the Dodgers lineup who hit 300. Not in the World Series, but for the entire season. The only 300 hitter that the Dodgers had in that starting lineup was Don Drysdale. Wow. So, but here's here's what you'll never see again from Don Drysdale. Before I'm we listening. get to the video clip. Um, so his record was 209 and 156 with a 2.95 ERA. It seems rather pedestrian um, given other Hall of Fame credentials. But part of the reason that he's in the Hall of Fame is is just listen to these numbers and think about pitchers today with who come out of games after throwing, you know, three balls. Uh, 1962, he had 41 starts. 42 in 1963, what? 40 in 64, 42 in 65. And then of those starts, he also had 36 in 1959. In that streak of four years, I'm sorry, five years of 40 starts, he also did in 66. Listen to these complete games. You ready? 19, 17, 21, <laughs> and 20. And then he tailed off. He slacked off in uh, 1966 with only 11 complete games. He threw uh, 59, 270 innings, 269 in 1960. Then 62, 314 innings. 315 in 1963, 321 in 64, 308 in 65, 273 in 66, and then 282 in 67. I mean, nobody's, I mean, to go 200 innings is quite an accomplishment. And certainly nobody is going to finish their career with a staggering, a staggering 167 complete games. You Whole pitching staffs. Wouldn't get hundred. I was going to say, who who could numbers. even be as close to that modern day? I don't know. Would you say 10 years, 20 years, 30 I years? No I mean, that's just, that's astounding. I know Sabathia used to eat a lot of innings, but I, I, again, in 1964, 40 starts and 21 complete games. I mean, no one's throwing... 321 innings. What year was that? Fired. What year was that? You just mentioned that stat. That 40. Uh, let's see. 40 starts and 21. It was 1964 when he threw 321 innings. And it wasn't like he did that once. He had uh, one, two, three, four years in a row with 300 plus innings. That gets managers fired. And yet, you know, he won more than he lost. Won three World Series and all nine All Star games. Now, his career ended. In 1969, at the age of 32, probably because, you know, he threw his arm out. <laughs> but he accomplished quite a lot in those uh, 13 seasons. I was just kind of looking up here real quick. Um, 1964. How many MLB teams were in the league at that time? Um, it looks well, like you, didn't it was... have the, you didn't have divisional play yet, so you probably had, what, 6, 12, 16? 20, 20 teams. 20 teams. 10 in each league? 20 teams. 162 games. In the days where there was only one, there was no, you just went to the World Series. You won the pennant, went to the World Series. Uh, this evening is, this particular season in 64 is often remembered for the end of the New York Yankees' third dynasty. Yeah. Wow. That was, that was, third that was the, dry, the quote dry spell from 64 yeah, I'm just, to 76. I'm just, you know, I'm just giving myself some air right now. Um, as they won their 29th American League championship in 44 seasons. 
Take that. How about them apples? However, the Yankees lost the World Series to the Saint. It doesn't say who. Who the heck was it? The Cardinals in the 64. Are they the only Saint? It wasn't Saint uh, Minnesota? No, no but it was There's the no Cardinals. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as Saint Minnesota. There's Saint Paul. The great, uh, There's the, Saint the, Paul, the Minnesota, but. The Gibson-McCarver run in the 60s. <laughs> and by the way, despite all of those numbers I read, he only won 20 games twice. And that year that he went uh, eight, 40 starts and 21 complete games, he went 18 and 16. 18 and 16. But his ERA was two. Was there anybody months. else on the pitching staff? <laughs> I wouldn't. Well, he, you know, he pitched on the same staff as Koufax. There's a one-two punch for wow. you. I mean, you know, that, that 65 team was unbelievable. And he wasn't even their best starter at 23 and 12 with a 2.77 ERA. Not a big strikeout guy. Um, I mean, he had, you know, 200 strikeouts here and there, but he wasn't like mowing them down like you'd expect. He just, he was a great pitcher. He just didn't give up a lot of hits, knew where to place the ball, ate up a lot of innings. You know, that's why he's in the Hall of Fame. It's not, see, people look at records and go, oh, 209 wins, no big deal. But, you know, wins, what are you kidding as me? we've seen, wins don't mean Jack Shinola, when you look at all the other stats. I so. like that term, Jack Shinola. Do him well. Yeah. Hey, him Jack well. Shinola with you, driving you home, driving you crazy. <laughs> um, so the video clip I have, again, it, it, these video clips don't translate very well just to watch him pitch. That would not be entertaining radio. So instead, I have his appearance on a show, a sitcom that always had all the best athletes okay, from the Brady Bunch. So it's not Don Drysdale as Hall of Fame pitcher. It's Don Drysdale as Hall of Fame advice giver. Let me just set the table for you out there in Radio Land. So Greg, oldest son Greg of the Brady Mishbucha, was going to forsake school and say, why should I study? Because I'm going to be a great baseball player one day, and I won't need school. And through happenstance, Don Drysdale, perhaps a client of his dad, Mike Brady, the architect, who knows how he came into the clan, but... He comes in, he shows up, and dispenses some good advice to not just Greg Brady, but all aspiring young ball players about the glamorous and not so glamorous side of being a baseball player. So I present to you the great Don Drysdale on the Brady Bunch from 1971. Hi, Mr. Drysdale. I mean, Don. <laughs> Hello, Greg. How are you, son? Quite an actor he was, too, Guess Don what? Drysdale. I'm pitching today. You know how he feels before the game, don't you, Don? The old nerves twitching there. Oh, listen, I'll tell you, when those butterflies start kicking in the stomach, I don't know, I could hardly eat the day that I pitched. Well, not me. For breakfast, I had hotcakes, sausage, and a couple of eggs. Yeah, but I, I bet the jitters really hit you when the fans start riding you, don't they? Oh, and do they ride you? You know, it's funny. You're a hero one minute and a bum the next. You serve up a couple home run balls and, I don't know, you feel you want to sneak out of the ballpark. I'll bet that never happened to you. Oh, many times. I'll tell you, I used to keep a false beard and dark glasses in my locker. <laughs> oh, wow. Come on down. Let's see something. This is Speaking of happened. baseball player, probably is more glamorous from the bleachers, huh, Don? Well, I'll tell you, baseball isn't what it's all cracked up to be. Look at me, 34 years old, and my career's finished. Oh, yeah, but you can do something else. I mean, you went to college. Well, that's true, but there's a lot of guys that I broke in with. They're still in the minor leagues trying to make a living. Yeah. Well, I guess baseball isn't all fun and glory. Far from it. Sitting up all night and broken down buses. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get stuck in second-rate hotels. 
Sleep all night with your arm packed in ice? Oh, yeah, that's some fun and glory. Yeah, well, well that really makes you think, doesn't it, Greg? It sure does. Greg, take it easy, okay? See you later. And there you go. I was waiting for doctor. Alice to come in. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> she, was, she was she was busy looking at him through the window going, ooh, Don Drysdale. <laughs> Yummy. There's a lot of, uh, I guess, you know, when you're listening to the audio, because you hear the mm-hmm. pauses, right? Right. But it seemed like, you know, I mean, those old shows, I was funny. It's 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 funny you bring that clip up because I I, I caught a little bit of uh, the Brady Bunch there a week or two ago. And mm-hmm. obviously we grew up with it, you know what I'm saying? Right. And you just it babysat me after school, are you kidding? <laughs> I know, pretty much, right? Yeah. That's right. But it, what a cheesy, you know, what a cheesy show. But it yep. was it was part of us growing up, man. But it was uh and and when you when you hear that audio and the acting and the, everything else, it just it takes you right back, man. But it was uh yep. good stuff, man. Donnie was great, man. Good yeah. number fifty. Look at that, man. Mr. Cuny, I tell you, man. You picked the good ones, man. You picked well, thank the you. Good you know, and it can't all be football though. You know, when you get to like the fifty when you get to the higher numbers, it's mostly football players because they were the higher numbers, but you know, I'm we'll still waiting for a hockey player in there. I'm, if we get to episode 66, I'll have to chuck in a Lemieux, you know? So, you know, if we get, God help us, we get to 99, you know, we might have to do a bunch, but certainly we'll have the great one in there, you know? But the higher numbers will be a lot of football players, so just warning you now. A couple of basketball players. All right. But if I can, you know, mix it up a bit. And, you know, who doesn't love Donnie D? Too bad golfers didn't wear numbers, right? That's Don Dreisky. Thank yeah. you for clearing that. Yeah, we're not going to do. We're not going to do. We're not going to do racehorses or cars. No racehorses. <laughs> no, sorry. I don't even know if they wear numbers. I think they wear single digits. So. <laughs> what about NASCAR drivers? Look, if they well, did we, we, did, we did Petty, Petty right? Yeah, we did for forty three. So yeah, I mean, I can do that. I'll check out and see who's driving what cars. But and not many. There are not many seventies. Do cricket cars players wear numbers? Things. Cricket players? No, we don't. Uh, we don't deal with those sports. What about Australian cricket, rules, or, football, or rugby? I'll tell you what, rugby Valley, legends. You find me, <laughs> your cricket and Australian rules football players, and I'll whip something up for them. I'll find some clips and do a little presentation for them. But otherwise, no. no. <laughs> All right, buddy. Then, if we don't play it on this side of the pond, screw it. You're done. All right, man. Very You're done. Uh, that, that's how wars start, you know? That kind of talk. You know what I'm saying? No, not, not going down that road. <laughs> We are it's not, not funny we're, either. Not Look, I, you, you know, I, I can't. I apologize for laughing, but you know what it is. You know, me and Robert get to talk in the show a little bit, and we're just kind of, you know, letting loose a little bit. And I, I you know, I apologize for laughing, man, because it's not funny. No. Uh, Can we start? No, over? it is certainly not. And we're not. We don't want to ignore what's happening in the world. But one, this is a sports show, sir. This is a Wendy's. And secondly, well, if it's in, there's a couple of moments where. That bleeds over into sports, and we'll certainly talk about it. But if you tune into the sports honchos for an in-depth discussion on the war in Ukraine, uh, you might want to turn the dial all the way to the left because this is not the place to go for that. All right, the band's getting antsy. Here we go. Yep, let's do it. It's time for the headlines that make you do lines right here on the sports honchos. Part of the Dean Bordell Podcast Network. Well, I can only imagine what Mr. Cooney has for us this week. Take it away, Robo. 
just I want to warn everybody out there that the three stories that I've given you, and I, I, I hope you like the way that I wrote them in my in my description in my topics list. They all have a common theme. Can you guess what that theme is? No. Anyone for penis? Yeah, oh so no, please. Go. No, you're not doing it, are you? I am. So all right, it's time for me to leave. I, I'm just gonna leave the the horn. I'm gonna turn the horn. Turn it up, guys! Turn it up! No, you gotta turn the horns down. I need, I need everyone's undivided attention. Now, these stories, I, I, I you know what? I'm 99% sure. Well, one of them is 100% true, and maybe the last one. This one seems way out there, but I'll just read the headline. Let it sink in for a moment. Are you ready? Hold on. Let me swallow my drink here. Hold on. <laughs> All right, Transracial influencer Ali London says they plan to undergo penis reduction procedure, wait for it, to be 100% Korean. I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. You know, the, see, hear that horn in the background, folks? That says it all. <laughs> so, transracial internet personality Ali London uh, said they plan to undergo a penis reduction procedure to be 100% Korean. According to London... They are willing to under, go under the knife to, quote, get the Korean average, which they approximate to be three and a half inches. London said they could have the procedure done in Thailand, there's a surprise, where it will cost them between six and $8,000. Ali London, the non-binary transracial influencer who has had around 20 plastic surgery procedures to look like BTS member Jimin, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, said they want to reduce their penis size to become 100% Korean. I don't want people to get offended by this. Oh, I think you're far too late for that, Ali. But in Korea, the average penis is like three and a half inches, and I get trolled all the time, London said. People say, oh, you can't be Korean. You're not 100% Korean, and I just want to be 100% Korean. Now, I don't know how Korea feels about all this. I, I can't imagine they're too pleased. Um, London also shared that they have booked a face and neck lift in Turkey. Oh, world traveler for this month. My entire face will be a Korean. I've done my chest, they noted. Like, what can I do next? I don't know. Like, my hands are too big. It just makes me feel closer to the country. I'm actually booked in for, and this was obviously a couple weeks ago, February 22nd. Then I'll be happy with my looks. The thing is, when I do surgery, I'm happy for like two months, and then I want more. London's efforts to appear more Korean have sparked numerous accusations of cultural appropriation. Uh, in a recent interview with Next Shark, Korean-American influencer Priscilla Kwan called London out for being, quote, the definition of fetishizing Korean culture. So there you go, my friend. It's just, it's, it's, it's the kind of story please don't, that just don't, leaves Please you. don't say, there you go, my friend, like this is something I asked you to to get some information on because I'm interested in it because I'm not. And I'm sure most of our fan base right now is also <laughs> not interested in this stuff. I, I, oh, I'm sure they are. I just don't know where you go from there. You just read that and go, okay, You know what then. you do? You go to the next story. That's what you do. All right. Now, for those that have accused us, me, you, of completely ignoring. Hold the on. Winter, I need to know what you're going to say before you include me and that accuse no, us sorry. of. People have said, I'm sure, how come you haven't had more Olympic talk? You know, the Winter Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here is my favorite story. My favorite heartwarming. The closing ceremonies, right? Patriotic <laughs> Olympic story. Headline. 
Finnish skier suffers frozen penis. Oh, no, you're doing it in again. Olympics race. Quote, one of the worst competitions. A skier from Finland said he suffered, quote, unbearable pain after his penis froze during a race at the 2022 Olympics in Beijing on Saturday, according to multiple reports. Multiple. So this one I know is true because it was multiple reports. You can guess which body part was a little bit frozen when I finished, Remy Lindholm, 24, told media after the men's 50-kilometer mass start cross-country skiing race per the BBC. From start to finish, the race reportedly lasted nearly one hour and 16 minutes. Skiers braved 1.4 degrees Fahrenheit and 40-mile-per-hour winds, which made it feel like negative 26 degrees. It was one of the worst competitions I've been in, Lindholm said. It was just about battling through. After the race... Uh, Lindholm used a heat pack to help thaw out the affected area, but his recovery proved challenging, as he says, challenging, no less. When the body parts start to warm up after the finish, the pain was unbearable, he explained to Reuters. And this isn't Lindholm's first time suffering from a frozen penis. He faced a similar situation during a race in Finland last year, Reuters reported. So there you go, friends. You wanted an Olympic story. And there you have one. You know, you I, don't, I don't get all the whining after. You know, you signed up for this thing, right? You volunteered. You trained for it. It is called the Winter Olympics. It's held right. in very cold places. Yes. I don't want to hear the complaints. Sorry. Sorry if, you know, you got a frozen schminky. You know, that was a little, that's, that's that's a little bit of my Larry, my Larry David voice there. And by the way, what? Larry David's new commercial for that. Uh, it's, 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 it's fantastic. Brilliant. It's just... I, <laughs> You know what? Every time I, every time I reach for a fork, (laughs) a fork, I got ten forks, baby! And he's waving his fingers around. It's just fantastic. That and the light bulb. When he says, "Edison, can I tell you something?" It it stinks. Every single one. The wheel. And the toilet bowl. Don't forget the coffee. He goes, "It's bitter. I feel jittery." And I I got a big job coming on. All right, next show we got to put that. I got to put that in the roadcaster so we can play it. Yes, we do. Oh, the Constitution. Currency. You mean dumb people right. get to vote? Even the stupid ones? <laughs> that one's not. That actually is probably not too far from. Oh yeah, he was ahead of his. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure that's. You know. <laughs> all right. You got one all more right. for us, right? One. Last one for you. Uh, this one is. Uh, not quite. This is, there's something funny about this. It's just an amazingly, it's like something out of a movie. Uh, Green Bay woman dismembered man's body, placed head in bucket. Which doesn't sound funny, because it isn't, but some of these details and what she said, quite extraordinary. Wait, uh, wait, 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 hold on, time out, time out. What's the base? She killed this guy? Yes. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, let me and they read. caught her. I mean, and they caught her? Yes, and and now she's gonna, gonna tell us some of the go- the gory. De- so yes. she yeah, she relayed the gory not, details to the officials. Yeah, it's not a gross out fest. It's just you got to hear like how this whole thing went down and and, oh, okay. and what happened. That's what makes the story so um, I'll put unquote amusing. Officers found a severed head in a bucket at a home on Green Bay's west side and body parts in other locations and scenes reminiscent of a gory horror movie. This is from. Uh, it doesn't say where it's from. No, sorry, from WBAY in Green Bay. Taylor D. Shabusiness, that's a great name, Shabusiness, S-C-H-A Business, 24, is charged with first-degree intentional homicide, mutilating a corpse, and third-degree sexual assault. 
A court commissioner set her bond to $2 million cash at the hearing Tuesday afternoon. Uh, the prosecutor called this one of the most serious defenses. I'm going to get to the good part now. Hold on. So $2 million. Only only $2 million for this. Uh, let's see. Last Wednesday, uh, police were called to the 800 block of Stony Brook Lane. The criminal complaint goes in detail saying on February 23rd, police were called to the home by a person living there who reported finding her son's severed head in a bucket. The woman told police she heard a door slam between 2 and 3 a.m. Waking her, she went to check on a light left on downstairs and made the gruesome discovery. Uh, there was blood on the mattress, and police learned that Taylor Shabiznis must have been the last person we've seen with the victim, identified only as a 25-year-old man. Police searched Shabiznis's van on the rear passenger seat. They found a crockpot box with additional human body parts, including legs, according to the criminal complaint. Police obtained a warrant for the home on Stony Brook Lane, which belonged to the victim's mother. In addition to the human head, they found a, quote, male organ in the bucket. The body, they found body fluid and knives. In a storage tote, they found an upper torso. And here's the, here's the payoff pitch. Police interviewed Shabiznis and asked her what happened. She replied, that's a good question. That's a great thing to say to police officers. Um, Shabiznis said she and the victim were together all day Tuesday and had been smoking meth. Surprise, surprise. After they arrived at the Stony Brook home, they were having sex and incorporated chains. Shabiznis said she blacked out during part of it, but just went, quote, crazy and started strangling the victim. Shabiznis told investigators she did not mean to kill the victim, but she enjoyed choking him and continued to do it. Prosecutors say the sexual assault charge is for acts that happened after the victim died. Yuck. Shabiznis responded the police were going to have fun trying to find all the organs as she dismembered the body. She stated all the body parts could be found in the basement. Shabiznis stated there should be a foot or a leg in the minivan. Detective Graft asked Shabiznis what she did with the head. She stated she'd put the victim's head in a black bucket and put a blanket over it. Uh, Shabiznis said she used knives obtained from the kitchen residence and that a bread knife worked the best because of the serrated blade. She said her plan was to bring all the body parts with her. But she got lazy and only ended up putting the leg foot in the van and forgot the head. Read the complaints. So there you go. <laughs> I like the uh, way she clarified why she used a particular knife. Yeah. Well, a bread knife. For those of you out there who are thinking about dismembering somebody, always use a bread knife. So there you go. Three stories, three penises. You're welcome. Do 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 do. Very nice. And uh, I imagine the Pink Panther. Jacques Rousseau was the one who broke the case, right? Yes. What is this head? Is that the head in the box? Oh, it is a penis. Is that your dog? Does he bite? My, my dog does not bite. Oh, I think I have a recording of one of the arresting officers. Anyone for penis? Oh, yeah. come on, man, with that thing already. Oh. All Good right. times. What a crazy country we live in. Hey, you know what? I bet she was just really, she was smoking meth with her boyfriend because she knew Aaron Rodgers was going to sign the richest contract in NFL history. But we'll, more on that later. A lot to celebrate in Green Bay to, get, to, to wipe away the stain of this gruesome crime. He's only brought them one championship. So let's give him more money. Yeah. Give him more money. Uh, so, well, Captain, where to now? Well, I have it here that uh, we haven't had to play this in a couple of weeks, but uh, I see NCAA. In yeah, big, we got a quickie for the NCAA. Just, I don't think we touched on this last show. So well, You know what, man? I always love the drum, so it's time to bring it back. For some NCAA talk right here on the Sports Hunches, ladies and gentlemen. Woohoo! 
You know, it is March. March. And, and in the March in the USA, it's a month of madness. And we're going to be yes. getting into that over the next couple of weeks. So that'll be a lot of fun. I, I get to play these drums all the time. I should start watching some college basketball. There are 64 games on right now. Let me run through the scores. Ah. Okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> we're going to talk some college football, I think, real quick. Yeah, real quick. I don't think we've touched on this, and this story's been out for a while, but um, the college football playoff, I, you know, maybe we did talk about this. I don't think we did because I still have it in my I'll tell notes. you what, you talk about it, and I'll let you know whether we talked about it or not. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, it's going to be four teams um, through the 2025 season, so there's no expansion, not to eight, not to 12, nothing for at least the next four years, and... Uh, the, the most astounding thing about all of this, because we talk in this show all the time about how everything is driven by money. Uh, by choosing to remain at four teams for four more years, the 10 FBS conferences in Notre Dame have left, are you ready? $450 million in potential revenue on the table. So what a shame. For whatever they, whatever they can't work out, uh, home games, uh, compensation, uh, when they say student athlete health and well-being, <laughs> wait, hold on, hold on. Let me let me let me do this. Let me do this right. Um, you can, uh, student health and well-being. Yeah, uh, they're not concerned about that, but they are leaving money on the table because they can't come to a unanimous agreement. That has to be unanimous amongst all the members of the college football playoff committee. So. We got four teams, and I realized, you know, last year, or last year, this past, you know, a couple months ago when we had the playoff with Michigan and Cincinnati crashing the party, it was great, but it's it's got to go to at least six. But we're going to be stuck with four at least through 2025. And, you know, hey, I don't ultimately know. it comes down to one game that everybody watches and bets, yeah. and so it doesn't matter what you got four or six. It doesn't matter. It's one game. But it better be uh, some really good reasons because it's 450 million bucks is nothing to sneeze at. Maybe it was scheduling. I don't know. You can you can have the Army Navy game always finishes the regular season. It's like the second Saturday in December. Then you take a break, you know, and you, you have the Heisman Trophy ceremony. And then right before the holidays, you'd have the quarterfinals, and then your New Year's Eve, New Year's Day semifinals. So you can just add one more layer to the bean dip, and then you're not waiting what seems like months between conference championships and the playoffs to start. You can have a little break. Again, Army Navy gets the island of college football all to itself on that one day. Mm -hmm. Then the Heisman, which actually I, I can't remember if the Heisman Trophy is the same night as Army Navy or the or a week later, but all those things get their own spotlight. Then you go into the quarterfinals right around the holidays. Kids are on are home for, you know, winter break anyway. Although anyone who argues that Sports shouldn't get in the way of we shouldn't do expanded playoffs because what about classes? Basketball <laughs> players take the whole month of March off. Get the hell out of here with that nonsense. Wait and, a second. And are you telling they're me they're not here? They're not here to learn. They are commodities. They are cattle. Wait, uh, they're not. No one's concerned about them getting an education. They're concerned they're making money for the university. So don't tell me, oh, we don't want them missing school. Well, get the fuck the, out the of here. The athletes on the team, they don't go to classes, do they? They're just I'm, athletes, right? I, it's just they enough don't with get the degrees. They're, they are hired they trophies. members. They might as well be faculty. I hope they get faculty parking at their universities because they might as well be on staff because they are. Anyway, they should be doing this. I realize people make the, the dumb argument, well, if, 
it's only four, then people are talking about it and arguing about it. It keeps college football in the consciousness of America and on the forefront of the debate shows. Please, again, GTFO. Expand to six teams, eight teams, something. But staying at four seems nonsensical. But that's what we're going to get. The book will come out. We'll find out why. We just don't know know yet. I want to know why they stuck with four, where they they left almost a half a billion dollars on the table. It better be a really. I wonder good if reason. I wonder if the big the big schools, the big money schools, the big conference teams, they don't they don't want anybody else in the club. Maybe, but because they don't want still- the chance of uh, anybody getting bar- embarrassed. I mean, did you see that maybe a little bit this year? There was a little scare because they changed well. things up a little bit and. You know, we didn't have, you know, you, you, you know, as a as a league, the you know the the you know the college football and and the, the the TV contracts and stuff that it's so big and so much money that hey, you know what? Let's let's keep it with the big dogs so we don't have to worry about any of this. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's some merit to that, but it's still money, and they're gonna make whoever crashes the party. It's still money for the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States, the Notre Dames. The Oklahomas, whomever. I mean, look, Cincinnati came in and got waxed. So they're not really – embarrassment is probably not forefront in their mind. It's probably a little bit. It's not ridiculous to say they don't think about that. But it's always about the money. Yeah, well, Cincinnati's not going to draw ratings. No. No, actually, you know what? I would, I would actually argue just the opposite, that people want to see a team that's not named Bama, Ohio State, whomever – a but little, you know a, the program, little, in, the quote little engine that could school. Yeah, but the the networks don't want that. They don't. They don't want that. The sponsors don't want that because if it's a blowout in the first quarter, which is very, you know, right. which obviously happens mostly during the the season when the big teams play the smaller teams or the you know what I'm saying. And then if, if I think it's just more of that, you know, they lose everybody in the first ten minutes of the game. Everybody's out. And that's a yeah. that's a big night. It's a big production. They either wanted a high scoring back and forth game or, or or close contested game, but they want those eyeballs on that game. Uh, and now with the uh, fan duels and the betting on everything and everything, you can bet on everything during the course of the game. It's Which, it's so much money. Think about a Saturday. Like it's it's right before Christmas. You know, winter break has started. A Saturday triple header. Of college football. You know, you have eight teams, the top two teams get a bye. The bottom six teams play. A triple header, you know, a noon game, a four o'clock game, seven o'clock, eight, whatever, however they stagger it. You know, people are going to watch. And, you know, they can present it however they can make a big production out of three, a big triple header, just like they did with the NFL playoffs. So, I don't know. I think for... Again, can you really I compare the two if, if you don't have the same... Same amount of talent that's in there for those big games. See, I, you know, the problem is with the NFL, for instance, it doesn't matter who's in the playoffs. Exactly. People are going to watch. Yeah, I think with college football, there is a little bit of that. But, you know, I don't understand why, like, in college basketball for March Madness, people love the no-name teams. Yes. Even if they know they're going to get blown out, they're a draw. But you're right. There's something about college football. It doesn't have the same... That Cinderella story isn't as, as appealing. The underdog is not as appealing. Because you, except for the people who went to school there or live in that state, 
So yeah, you're right. You might lose eyeballs after the first quarter if it's you know you're down twenty-one to nothing. Um, and I think the appeal of three college football games might be tantalizing to some, but to others, it's like, oh, it's my whole Saturday down the toilet. Whereas three playoff games on a Sunday in the NFL, it's you know. Well, isn't that ultimately why they have so many different bowl games? Yeah. Because then but what happens they're is they're so it, relevant, though. They're most of them are even the ones yes, that are. Yes, I agree with you, but they're relevant to the the franchises yeah. that actually get in the bowls, and you you know as far as where they end up and land, and and for those schools that gives at least the university something to look forward to at the end of the season to possibly win something. You know, when you talk about the NCAA basketball tournament, yeah, sixty four teams, but basketball compared to the the challenge of, of what's involved with putting a, a football team together and having a football team successful. I mean, you get a five starters on a, on a, on a no name college team and, and, and just going, even if it's a run for three or four games and it's exciting, that's just not going to happen in football because of the logistics of what it involves putting a, a football team on the field on both sides, special teams, coaching, uh, you know, injuries, yeah. everything else. It's different, but it would be, you know, you obviously you keep the bowl, the playoffs in the big bowls, you know, the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, all those, and keep that tradition alive. Um, but the other bowls would be even less relevant. I don't know. I just think with more teams, there's got to be a good number. I think six or eight, maybe not 12. It might be a little excessive. But I think it would work. But, well, you know, like everything else, if you have six, they argue for eight. If you have eight, you argue for 12. 12 you're always going to argue for more. There's always that 13th team or that ninth team that feels slighted. But I think four is a little too restrictive. I think there's a sweet spot in there. You get a couple more teams just to mix it up because I think people do get weary of seeing another championship game with Alabama or Ohio State. I just think, or Clemson, although Clemson has fallen off the face of the earth now. I think people want to see some, at least the chance for a change. Can, on that, on what you were just saying there, I'm listening to you, right? So you take the... The college football season, right? So at its core, it's primarily a university versus university, you know, as far as fan base, right? That fan base right. is either going to the stadium or they're basically just kind of following along with their team for the season. Now, if they suck and they ain't going anywhere, right. you know, fans are just, they're just showing up because of the, you know, they're just, the, all right, we got to be here, part of it. But just like you have a, a university that never wins anything, right? Now, you talk about the general population, right, of the country, right? As far as sports fans, so take a guy like me. I'm not a I'm not a, a Saturday day guy in the fall where I'm watching every game or you know I'm I'm not a diehard college football fan. I love it as a general sports fan, which ultimately leads me to the game I'm going to put my time aside for probably, and I'm of the majority as far as the whole country is that national game. Is right. that that you know those those playoff games? Obviously, the Final Four. And then obviously the the championship, and then I'm I'm watching out again. We we I mean you 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 could probably roll back the tapes of me and you talking during the college football season, and we joke about some of the lower division teams, but we're always talking about those top four. And we remember we were riding all the the teams that were undefeated this year, and they mixed things up a little bit, and we were getting to see a couple of the franchises, and we did talk about how we we loved getting a different look and seeing a couple of different. Um, you know, uh, universities in there, different parts of the country and everything else. But at the end of the day, that's me and you where I think the, the, somebody, obviously the big guys in charge of the money, the logistics and everything, they decided they want to keep it at four and there's got to be a huge reason about, 
reason for that. And I think ultimately that one game or that those couple of weekends to, with the CFB and then obviously the championship game is they've they've got the guys, they've done the numbers and stuff like that, and they track it every year and say, well, this is the, this is what draws the biggest stream, the biggest revenue stream, the biggest audience, and we've got to make sure that out of the top four to six big universities, you know, Alabama, Notre Dame, and all that stuff, Ohio State, they somebody's got to be in there in that mix, and they really don't care about the rest of it, and that's probably why they're not expanding it. Yeah, and I hope that's worth $450 million. And, and one last thing, we to go back to what you said about all those undefeated teams rising up the ranks, is ultimately they rise up only so far and they just drift into irrelevance with the non-playoff games. And the teams that crashed the party this year, we're not talking about you know Texas, El Paso, or Coastal Carolina. We're talking about Michigan. So there's still enough of the big draws out there. I mean, look, a Michigan game... Um, if especially they have a Heisman candidate on their team or someone who could be the first pick in the draft, like their defensive end, Aiden Hutchinson, people are going to watch because it's a national brand. Um, when USC and UCLA were national brands, not so much UCLA anymore, USC a little bit, people are going to watch. A USC-Notre Dame game, people are going to watch even if they didn't go to either USC or Notre Dame. So four is still a little too restrictive. I think six... Then you can get you can get the playoffs a little more nationalized instead of all being centered, a couple in the Midwest and most in the Deep South. I just think twelve is too many. Yeah, four is too few. I like yeah, six too. Six I'm with you. Kind of six is kind of the sweet spot, you know. But you know what? We'll have we can argue about this for the next four seasons because nothing. Well, I, I want to talk about it for the next four hours. All right. Well, in the second hour of the show <laughs> or the third hour, excuse me, the special bonus disc. <laughs> The director's cut, when we talk about it. We're going to break down every conference and their prospects over the next four seasons as we predict the college football playoffs in 2023, 24, and 25. <laughs> yes. Stay tuned. Get yourself another cup of Joe. Absolutely, man. All right, pal. Well, let's continue the, the football conversation, but we're going to move um, over to the big leagues. And as always, uh, we thought it was over. We thought it was over, folks. They're but, getting overtime. But our two our two uh, sports honchos, uh, NFL uh, special analysts, are still with us here uh, in March. And let's bring them in right now as we do a little NFL talk here on the uh, Marcho's Honcho special here on uh, the, the Dean Blundell Podcast Network and the Go Sports Media Network. Any other networks we're part of yet, Rob? No, I don't. No, no, okay, no. here we go. Al, you old son of a bitch. How you doing? How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins, fourth and three play on their 30-yard line with only 34 seconds to go. How do you think I feel? Betrayed? Bewildered? This is very exciting. Yeah, it is, fella. Oh, right on, amigo. Damn straight. Damn straight. (laughs) Fucking A. Fucking A, right. Ah! Ah! All right, ladies and gentlemen. It's a national mediocrity. League talk right here on the Honchos. I'm never going to stop saying that. It, it never. Well, I, I'm never going to stop ignoring you when you say that. Um, <laughs> the the yucks, speaking of yucks, they never end with the National Football League. We have three big pieces of quarterback news. One person who is cost himself a lot more than $1,500 in online betting. But I want to start before we get to any of that. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just amazed when we get to the Calvin Ridley thing. 2022, uh, baby. Just, just people are so stupid. Anything is possible. 
Um, but I want I just want to quickly a tip of the old sports honchos cap. You know, we always talk about Hall of Famers uh, going off to better places. And um, Charlie Taylor, a couple weeks ago, passed away. Uh, one of the greats, one of the NFL greats, but certainly one of the greatest of the Washington Redskins, Commanders, Wolfskins football team. Hold on. Dairy. When you talk about former. He's a Redskin. Yes, thank well, you. To get to that, uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is not to trumpet his praises, which of course he was a legendary receiver. His number 42 should have been retired. Uh, when he retired, he was, I think, he had the most catches in NFL history. Um, he was the one of the Mount Rushmore of Redskin receivers, the uh, Redskin players. But the reason I bring it up is this, and this is what I was afraid of when. The, the, the Wolfskins officially changed their name to the Commanders. On uh, not one, but two very reputable outlets, including my pals at The Athletic and ESPN, the headlines read, uh, Charlie Taylor, former Commanders... No! Great. No! <clears throat> I'm sorry. What was that again? Former Commanders? <clears throat> oh, okay, I can't Charlie believe they Taylor did that. never took a snap. Not one. For the commanders. There are no commanders jerseys. Number 42. Is that the company line now the going forward? They have. To, is that how they're going to do this? Well, I hope not. Now, the local media here, they call them. When it's about the Redskins, this is what I like about the our local media. When it's about saying that was the Redskins, they don't say commanders. They say the Redskins won the Super Bowl. The Redskins won the championship. When Robert, you know, this is the 10th anniversary of the Robert Griffin the third trade. They don't say when the commanders traded for Griffin in 2012. They say Redskins. It's kind of like how they get the name in under the wire without kind of saying it. But again, when I see not one but two reputable outlets in their headline, not in the story, in the headline say former commanders great. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> That's a new one in the road. I love your new button, pal. Uh, Charlie Taylor never played for the Commanders, only the Redskins. This is what John Riggins was talking about when he said disenfranchised. So I just wanted to get that on the record um, that, uh, well, super sky point to Charlie Taylor. He will be missed. His number should have been retired before Sean Taylor. That's all another show. But he was never a commander. He was a Redskin. And that's that. Okay. May he rest in peace. Um, may he rest in peace, but never a commander. Should we do Ridley first or get to the quarterback news? Nah, save, Ridley, save Ridley to last, man, because that, that's, right, that's so some great shit. We have uh, three, th within the span of 24 hours, we had uh, three major pieces, three major dominoes in the whole quarterback shuffle. Uh, one that if I had any hair, I would have torn all my hair out. But I'll start with uh, Aaron Rodgers, who this guy said long ago was not going anywhere. Yes, you, you did. Me, I, said I he was here. Traded. He wasn't going to go. He's not going anywhere. Well, he certainly isn't now because he signed a four-year extension to stay in Green Bay for a whopping 50, $50 million a year with $153 million guaranteed. Now, I, I won't argue that, well, A, that's what the market is bearing. But I, if you're going to give somebody the most money ever to a football player, Aaron Rodgers is a good candidate, even though he's a, just a, he's such a sourpuss in this whole Look, thing. The reason he got more money on this deal, the most money ever is because he now, because of his long hair, he needs extra money for his hair products. Exactly. When they, when they make John Wick four or five, whatever, he'll be taking over for Keanu Reeves. <laughs> um, 
all of this posturing. Nobody will ever replace Keanu Reeves. Well, Don't you someday ever he talk might, like that. Maybe he's, maybe he's being groomed as his replacement. Who no. Knows? But whatever the reason, he's he's busy. He can't make any John movies Wick for the next ends years. with Keanu Reeves, nobody else. Look, all of his posturing, everything, it was all about money from the very beginning. I don't care what he says. No matter what, you know, Zen, Buddhist, tree-hugging, granola, kumbaya, crapola that comes out of his mouth, it was all about the money. He's not the Zen master. He's the money master. And, hey, if he can... More power to him, but let's not kid ourselves. He was never going to leave Green Bay. He just wanted to squeeze some more money. And his favorite receiver, Devontae Adams, who was going to be a package deal with him in some way, somehow, if he was traded, was franchised by the Packers. So that duo is going to be around to, you know, win more Super Bowls. <clears throat> Sorry, I mean, I mean, flame out in the playoffs. And he hopefully he can improve on that sparkling 11 and 10 playoff record, seven and nine since they won the Super Bowl. So I got, two, hey, I got two questions. For 50 you. million. I got two, hey, I got two. Good luck. I gesund, Aaron. I got two questions for you. Yes. First, how do you pronounce the last name of the Packers general manager? Uh, Gutekunst, Gutenkunst, Gutenplenty. <laughs> uh, I think all those. <laughs> I think I, I think I do it on that one. <laughs> Yeah, What's your second question? <laughs> second question. <laughs> Can I spell Gutenkunst? No. Is our, and this is going to lead to the Broncos here. He's and, speechless. And, and, yeah, He's yeah. speechless, ladies and gentlemen. Because it's you, you don't like me calling it the National Mediocrity League, but I, I, again, I, I, I'm, I'm tuning you. Out. Why are the why do you why do you think Gutenkunst whatever? <laughs> We'll just call him Brian. Why? Why do they feel they needed to s hook him up not only for four more years, but at that ridiculous amount of money? Is there no other talent at the quarterback position? Either well, I mean, it, it's, okay, do you understand because, where I'm coming from? Yes, they have, isn't they it a have, big our league kind of sucks? We've got about seven or eight good quarterbacks, and then there's nobody. Are you going to tell me nobody else could come in and take Aaron Rodgers' place well, with the record he has? So, so here's the thing. They they have a one-of-one one in Aaron Rodgers. He's right up there currently, now that Brady's retired. It's him, it's Mahomes, and it's everybody else. Oh, so we have so, two good quarterbacks in the league. Right. So they've had, and this is something that you know no other team can really boast, for the last 30 years-ish, they have just they've had solid wall-to-wall -wall Hall of Fame quarterback play, first with Favre and then with Rodgers. And they're looking at Jordan Love, who they traded up to get a couple years ago in the first round. They saw him against Kansas City when Rodgers was on COVID, you know, in the COVID doghouse. And they've seen him in practice. And if they thought Love was any good, they would have said to Rodgers, hasta sayonara, pal. But there, there's a lot of there's a lot of panic in Green Bay, and there's this notion of we're not ready to do what every other team does, which is wander in the wilderness for years looking for the next guy. We've had 30 years, four decades, of quarterback security, so now this gives us another couple of years. They're going to draft somebody in the next couple of years, I'm sure of it. And and Rogers, no reason to think he can't play for the next three or four years. But now they they probably secretly said to Rogers, "This is your last contract with us." 
We're going to give you the farm. Please win us another championship. But if not, well, whether you do or not, we're going to draft somebody um, because you can't. And please play don't for bitch us. about it. And don't bitch about it because if you bitch about it and then you know sit and pout in the corner and make commercials and it's a very expensive non-disclosure agreement. Right, we're not giving you sixty million next time. This is it, pal. Enjoy the four hundred million dollars. Okay, so don't don't make us give you fifty million in four years. You you know we we drew the line at (laughs) fifty. Okay, don't make us. We're not going to sixty. So that's I think that's why they did it. Um, There's a lot of quarterbacks out there they could sign, but. You also got to think about your fan base. Now, Green Bay is not uh, like... The fan base is screwed because uh, well, no matter what the, uh, the the parking tickets cost now, the beer, the hot dogs, the jerseys, no. I tell you, if you're a Green Bay Packers fan right now, uh, it's going to be very expensive to go see the no. eight, nine games that they have at the stadium next year. They're, I mean, look, they're a rabid fan base. They're a loyal fan base. They're some of the best fans in sports. Um, but you can't after 30 years of Hall of Fame play, say, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Jordan Love, and then this is what you'll get. <laughs> no, it's well, just... They've been doing it in Detroit for years, Chicago, they, I mean, you know. Yeah, but they're, they were used the Jets. to Jets. They were used to bad teams, or they were used to bad quarterback play or mediocre quarterback play, so this is a situation ah, you just where... said mediocre! Ha-ha! Uh, there's a lot of mediocre quarterbacks, including the one we're going to talk about in a moment. <laughs> the latest member of your Washington commander skins. So that was the first piece. That was the first domino to fall. And that was early on Tuesday. And then later in the day, uh, the Seahawks after, you know, both Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson said, you know, we're not going anywhere. Yay. Seahawks 2022 is going to be our year. Is my new button. No, I don't think so. Seattle. What? <laughs> this is quite the blockbuster. So Denver, which was, the one that was supposed to get Aaron Rodgers, they were, they were rumored to be the number one trade partner for the for Green Bay. Turns out that all along they wanted Russell Wilson because I think they knew, like I knew, that Rodgers wasn't going anywhere. So Seattle is now has traded Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. The Broncos get, or uh, sorry, the the Seahawks get Drew Locke, quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, two first round picks, one this year, one next year, two second round picks. One this year, one next year. This year's fifth-round pick, um, and then this, the Broncos get Russell Wilson and a fourth-round pick from uh, Seattle. I don't know how they got another draft pick coming back They also to them, got uh, a mansion in Aspen, a mansion in Vail. Yeah. It's just <laughs> it's, a, it's a pile of humanity oh my God. Uh, coming, back, coming back to Seattle. But look, I guess Seattle's in total rebuild mode. They just cut Bobby Wagner. So they're looking to shed salary. I don't know how much longer Pete Carroll is going to stay there. I mean, he's 70, I think. And I thought, I think in, in Carroll's mind, he was getting ready to, for one more run. Should have ran that ball against the Patriots when you're down there on a, a half goal line. You would have had two Could've rings. Could have had two rings. Could have had two rings, dumbasses. Uh, so, look, I mean, it's a great trade for for Denver because this is, a, this is another win-now move like the Rams did. Denver's been a team that's – when they say a quarterback away, usually you're not a quarterback away. It's more than that. But Denver literally has been a quarterback away since they've started 11 quarterbacks since Peyton Manning retired after 2016. Um, they traded the players they traded. You know, Fant's a pretty good tight end. Shelby Harris, pretty good defensive lineman. Drew Locke, he's, you know, meh, a meh plus a quarterback. Uh, so they saw that team is still intact. And they got Nathaniel Hackett, an offensive Who the court. hell is Nathaniel? 
and you'll hack it. Well, they finally, Russell Wilson is finally playing with someone who's an offensive-minded coach, and he did did a great job with Aaron Rodgers up there in Green Bay, another reason why they thought Rodgers was headed to Denver. So who knows? It's, you know, next few years, it's going to be great, except he now plays in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. He plays in the same division as Justin Herbert. He plays in the same division as Derek Carr. So he went from the hardest division in the NFC to the hardest division in the AFC. So... It's going to be entertaining for those of us that casually watch the AFC. Um, it's those All those games are going to be great games now. You don't have a weak link in the bunch. It used to be, oh, Denver's on? Click. <laughs> I'll turn the knob <laughs> to the left. But uh, now they've got some, they've got some of the sharpest back. unis in the league, man. So who has the, sharp, who the, Broncos, has the sharpest The Broncos. Unis? Oh, yeah, the Broncos do have nice uniforms. Love the orange and blue. Wish they go back to the old helmet with the, the horse coming out of the D. No, the, the up there. No, the one they got is great, man. I don't know. I like the old orange. They never won anything in those old orange crush jerseys. That's they true. Switched over but, the logos, and Johnny won a couple. And Yeah, unlike the Dolphins, who won all their championships with the old logo and then that crappy new one, I think they're going to go back for a couple games See, yeah, that's how, to that that's old Dolphins logo. We get along here because we, 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 we joke, but it's, I think, you know, how teams look is very important to their success. It is. No, I, I don't joke about uniforms. I take the uniforms very seriously. Patriots change the logo. Colors, boom, success. Yeah, I know. The Jets still can't figure it out, though. (laughs) The Jets Jets had a good... When they went to the old white, you know, the 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 Joe Namath style? Right, when Parcells showed up and he had Vinny Testaverde and they went to a couple... And, uh, you know, they got jobbed out of the playoffs that one game. And then, you know, when Rex Ryan took them to two straight AFC championship games, they had the old logo, yeah. white helmet, green Hello. oval with the Jets in the middle. And then they now they've gone back to the old Richard early yeah, the, green jet with the line. Ugh, it's terrible, yeah, it terrible. Is. Is. They won nothing but scorn in those uniforms. Yep. The That's Richard it. Todd years. Klecko, Gastineau years, yep. Well, those were those were good times. The yeah, Kenny O'Brien years, yeah, but Kenny really it was O'Brien. a lot of empty promises. Yes. Sorry. We, we got a little sidetracked there. Um, I think now my prediction is that now that Seattle has the number nine pick in the draft, there's the, the kid out of Liberty, Malik Willis, whose stock is rising because of the senior bowl and the combine. He's another Russell Wilson type, kind of small, great athlete, good arm, great arm actually, can run. Um so I think they'll. I, my 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 prediction is it's Drew Lock this year as a bridge. Get Willis ready. Maybe Carroll stays. Rolls out Malik Willis in 2023, and they can pick up where they left off with Russell Wilson. But that's a that's an earth-shattering kind of move because now the first the biggest fish are off the market. Pardon the pun. Rogers in Green Bay. Wilson's now in Denver, leaving Deshaun Watson that no one's going to touch with a 10-foot pole until they find out what his legal status is. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the team that was chasing every, literally every quarterback, everyone out there, the, 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 the one who said, all right, I'm a whore to anyone who wants me, your Washington commanders couldn't get Rodgers. Rodgers didn't want to come to D.C., couldn't get Wilson because the Seahawks wanted to trade him to the AFC. They they wanted him out of the NFC. Uh, they had all these. They had a, a a pile of Plan B to pick from: Trubisky, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Andy Dalton. You name you name it, we would have taken them. But yet, do we go for a mid-range free agent like Mitch Trubisky and hope for the best? 
and have him compete with Taylor Heineke for the number one job. Oh, no, 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 no. Your Washington Commanders traded not one, but two third-round draft picks. Third-round draft picks, still fairly valuable. At 2022 and 2023, third-round draft pick to the Colts for Carson Wentz. Hey, <laughs> you never know, baby. And that 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 2023 third rounder can be a second rounder if Wentz plays 70% of Washington snap uh, uh, snaps, and they traded second round picks this year. So the the Wolf skins will have 47, the Colts will have number 42, and the best part is Washington will pay the full 28 ma ma million dollars due to Wentz for this season, which is going to eat up a hell of a lot of Washington salary cap. Ah, they're an expansion team. They're learning. I mean, Learning the I, hard don't way. Know, I don't know what they're doing up there, but that has Dan <laughs> Snyder written all over it. Nobody with a football brain thought Dan this was a Snyder, good idea. come on. He's on a yacht Listen, somewhere. He doesn't care. The general manager of the Colts, knowing he wanted to trade, knowing he, he wanted Wentz out of town, bad-mouthed him in public, knowing that was going to kill his trade value. And yet, here come the here come the commanders. do 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 We'll take him off your hands because we're that desperate. We're that desperate to get laid. Okay. We're, we put on the beer goggles. Hey, look come at on. Carson Wentz and said, oh, he looks like Russell Wilson. And then you're going to wake up tomorrow morning, commander, front office people. You're going to look over and go, oh, my God, it's Carson Wentz. You were so hot last night. What happened? What happened to you? And what happened to those third-round draft picks we had in our wallet? So, uh, you know, it, I got to believe, pal, that they, you know, that the hits keep coming. Yeah, I got to believe. I mean, there's been so much attention with the name change and everything. They just needed a, a football business move to be done. Well, but you could have gotten anybody else, anyone else. I think people in the, the fan base would have been OK. When's the last time that franchise did anything right? Look, you swung and you missed on Russell Wilson, but you weren't going to get Wilson because we're an NFC team. Rodgers didn't want to come to Washington, and he clearly didn't even want to leave Green Bay. Watson, you got to wait on Watson till you find out what's going on with him. He's even going to be out of jail, let alone suspended. Oh. So who knows with him? So okay, so the fan base would have said, "Fine, you, you know, you couldn't get the big three. So you, you work your way through free agents and maybe trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, but you took the one guy at the end of the buffet <laughs> with all the red flags, you know, all and, and, and the congealed grease forming around him. The one person left at the dance that nobody wants to dance with, but you were so horny for a new quarterback that you said, oh, Carson Wentz. I, you know, if I squint, I can, you know, I can see, you know, hotness in Carson Wentz. Bring him on. And, you know, we're going to regret it. He can't stay healthy. He chokes in big games. He had one really good season. Look, in the first couple of years, if you give me that Carson Wentz, great. But he's gone now through two coaches, including one who loved him and wanted him in Indianapolis, and a year later said, I can't work with this guy. Get him out of here. So he comes to us. Great. That's that's the most commanderish thing ever. I'm sorry, it's the most Washington Redskins, Washington football team commanders thing ever because that's the one thing that hasn't changed despite all the name changes is just the incompetence and the ineptitude. It's just, I, 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 
Everyone Make, said, makes you glad that you are now a Baltimore Ravens fan, correct? Anybody but once. You know what? It's it pushed me further. <laughs> Carson Wentz. You know, <laughs> I, that alert came on my phone today. I was sitting at work, and I, we were in a meeting with I think two. There were five of us, and two of us are football fans. And I said, "I'm sorry. I I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I just have to say, I just got this alert on my phone. I told everyone there. I said." Washington just traded for Carson fucking Wentz. Just like that. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I have to tell somebody. I have to get this off my chest. And then I said that. The other football fan with me groaned and moaned like, you know, someone just hit him in the head with a two-by-four. And then I was like, okay, I apologize. Please keep going. And that was it. I just, I could not. Hey, it's not going to be easy for you guys going forward, man. I don't know how you're going to deal with it. I don't know either. Yeah. You know. Baltimore is only uh, 50 miles up the road. <laughs> there you go, buddy. <laughs> but hey, at least we're not the. Oh, Yo, you could jump on the Packers bandwagon for the next four years, buddy. Well, they're going to, they got to, well, you know what? I won't be able to afford their games. They got to make up $200 million somehow. <laughs> so, all right. Well, now that we've gotten that off our chest, that brings us to the world's stupidest better. Good old Cal Ridley. Now, that's a pretty big statement in the world's. Well, you bet three, you bet three, you have three $500 bets that you bet with your phone. Online gambling in Florida, which is all perfectly legal. legal. But the NFL, with, you know, whether it's DraftKings or FanDuel, whatever, we're talking about Calvin Ridley, Atlanta Falcons, has been suspended for at least the 2022 season for betting on football games. He made these three bets, but they're flagged because any any bet that looks suspicious or raises eyebrows is then immediately sent off to the NFL where they review who did the betting and for how much and so on and so forth. And that $1,500, just three $500 bets will end up costing him well over $11 million in lost salary because he couldn't, couldn't just, you know, Go to Vegas or Atlantic City and, you know, put down some bets. Or, or ask his know, cousin Bob to do it. <laughs> anything that's right. Or get someone not named Calvin Ridley who plays in the NFL. You know, it's just it's 11 million bucks. He lost $1,500 and then another 11 million <laughs> because he was suspended. And what makes it more infuriating is, you know, he was off for most of the season because he was working on his mental health. Well, um, I wonder how his mental keep an health eye is on him. knowing he's going to have these eleven million dollars poorer. Now, that ah, aside, he's just got to make a couple more bets. He might make it back. Yeah. That aside, <laughs> you know, I don't. The NFL is in bed with just about every major gambling site and organization now. Pretty much now all the sports all are now. So, and, and and he was not playing for the Falcons when he bet on his team to win. So he has no impact on the game. I don't know what information he may have, but there's a reason why. Were they playing the know, Lions? Or the I Jets? Know. Who knows? Or the Chargers? I'm not quite <laughs> sure that it's that suspending him for a year. Now, if he was playing, maybe. But he wasn't playing, and he was betting on his team to hey, win. Hey, Rob, the question Again, here, the big question is, is he the only one, or is he just the first guy oh, to get caught? No, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are betting, not just on, not just betting, period, betting on their own teams. I, I mean, I don't, 
I don't know who, but I, I, here's what I am sure of. I don't think, I'm not sure of anything. I don't think he's the only one. I have to imagine there's other people betting on football games out there, but this is like almost like a, a sort of a Pete Rose situation. You know, Pete Rose bet on his own team to win. So you can argue that he was still managing to win every game, whether he had money on it or not. He wasn't betting on his team to lose. And then you go back and question some of his managerial decisions. However, with Pete Rose, it goes way deeper than gambling and his standoff with Giamatti and then Faye Vincent. And now with baseball as he becomes the angry old man. But with Ridley, he did it. He admitted he bet it on games. It's legal to bet. The NFL has partnerships all over the planet with, you know, gambling organizations. And he betted his team to win when he had no effect on the outcome of the game. Did he have any inside information? Who knows what kind of information he had? Probably the same information that the gamblers get, the people that set the lines have. So I'm not sure what his crime was other than stupidity, but a whole season, and it's, you know, it's at least the 2022 season. I'm not sure why there's such a hard-line approach being taken with Calvin Well, Ridley. I'll tell you probably why. To scare, we'll scare the bejesus out of all the other players. So they don't start betting on their teams to yes. lose and such. Yeah, I can see that. And maybe, you know, there's a over-under, you know, so you, you're you wide open for a score, but, you know, too many people have the under. So, oops, it went right through my hand. Hey, look, yeah, I just got I, a little I, advice for any of these NFL players who want to bet, you know, on or against their teams or whatever. Just, you know, ask your cousin Bob to do it. Yeah, and I guess they don't want people. So I'm looking at the story. He's the second player. Uh, in 2018, uh, in 2019, Arizona Cardinals defensive back Josh Shaw was suspended after the NFL oh, learned he bet on league games while on injured reserve. So I guess that's the, um, I guess that's what they're afraid of is one, they don't want players who are playing impacting games, and two, they don't want players who are injured or they, they shouldn't be betting on those games while on injured reserve. All, now, what is nice for the Falcons? Is that eleven million dollars comes off their salary cap? Well, there you so go. That's there's no penalty to the Falcons. Maybe maybe the Falcons management had a little bit of uh, recon going on, and they figured uh, let's maybe then trap this guy, save a little money for themselves. And now, um, now the the other domino to fall is what happens with Matt Ryan, who the Falcons wanted to keep, and now. You know, they took out his best weapon, so what happens to Matt Ryan? Do they just say, let's just tear everything down and rebuild? Do we draft a quarterback? They have the eighth pick in the draft. Who knows? But, again, 1500 bucks, As you said, have your cousin do it. Say, hey, look, go put down three. I think it was um, multi-leg parlay bets involving three, five, and eight games that include the Falcons to win. So, again... There's the, the NFL, the, these gambling sites have security that flags these bets. Just if anything raises an alarm, you know, again, like a player who's currently playing <laughs> betting on NFL games. So good luck to him. It's your I league, guess. buddy. It's your league, man. Just yep. living it. All right, pal, before we move on to the um, NHL, the NBA, and the MLB, can I bring mm-hmm. up uh, a new segment route right now called. Um, Something that has absolutely nothing to do with sports? Uh, sure. Don't we do that all the time? <laughs> do we? I oh, mean, yeah. that's oh, we yeah. start We just did it like 20, uh, an hour ago, the beginning of the show. Yeah. That's right. Oh, okay. So it's really not a new segment. 
Well, uh, how, how about this? Uh, I'm ready. Just talk. It doesn't need a segment. How about Name? Paul's going to say something there. and get Rob's feedback on it? Okay. No, oh, great. Okay, right. I'm ready. So, um, back in January, um, Carl's Jr. and Hardee's released a brand new food item. So I'm gonna. I I I think this is the greatest name. Now you know we're pretty uh, you know American traditional stuff. You know burgers and stuff, all right. that crap. Anyway, here it is, ladies and gentlemen. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, Carl's Jr. and Hardee's introduced the new. This is I love the name, and I'm gonna read you what's that. It's called the new. Okay. Bacon Beast Burger. Wow. Beast like Burger. It. The Bacon Beast Burger. Yes. Um, and it's part All of their right. new bacon, their bacon uh, beast menu. They have a whole bacon beast menu. But anyway, I'll tell you a little bit right now about the uh, the Bacon Beast Burger. Okay. Um, it's a whole new, It's it, there's the Bacon Beast Burger, there's the Bacon Beast Burrito, and the Bacon Beast Biscuit. <laughs> That's the triple B, ladies and gentlemen. The Bacon Beast Biscuit. All right, here we go. The Bacon Beast Burger comes with a 3.5-ounce beef patty layered with tomato, lettuce, pickle, yellow onion, and mayonnaise, and topped with melted American cheese and four strips of applewood smoked bacon, complete with a special sauce on a sesame seed bun. The Bacon Beast Burger is also available with two or three patties for you animals. (laughs) Three? You're not going to survive eating three of those. The bacon beast burrito consists of four strips, four strips of bacon, hash rounds, American cheese, scrambled eggs, and shredded cheese, all wrapped up in a warm flour tortilla, tortilla, and served with one packet of picante. <laughs> Only one. You like- can get the bacon beast burrito so stingy a la carte for a suggested price of three ninety nine, or as part of a combo meal for five ninety nine. Which, ladies and gentlemen, is much cheaper than the Wendy's, local's Wendy's menu. All right. And now rounding up these uh, Bacon Beast uh, items here. The Bacon Beast Biscuit, buddy, for breakfast or whatever the hell you want it. goes for three ninety nine. It's also available as part of the combo meal. It's priced five dollars You can find uh, the Beast Bacon menu at participating calls Junior Hardy's location. So I just think that's a phenomenal. Because the, the Burger Wars, right, all the different names, all the different sandwiches, they sat there in a meeting, buddy. It's all the same shit. It's still a bacon cheeseburger, right? Yep. What? So they have to go through trademark cheeseburger. How can we make it better? How can we make? How can we convince you to have our bacon cheeseburger as opposed to the other guys? They went those goddamn bastards at Wendy's took Baconator already, so we gotta beat the Baconator with the bacon beast burger, ladies and gentlemen. Yikes! All right. Well. Good luck to everybody at Hardee's and Carl's Jr. Uh, you know what? We don't have either one It comes one with those. a diabetes check stick. It, it comes with a uh, free defibrillator, a portable, <laughs> a pocket, a, a, a James Bond and Casino Royale <laughs> portable defibrillator. It's part of the kid's meal. Um, I, there is no Hardee's anywhere within like 100 miles of where I live, so I'll, I'll, I'll unfortunately will not be able to take part of the Bacon Beast Biscuit Burrito or what was the other one called? The bacon uh, beast burrito. Um, what was the other one? The, the bacon beast biscuit. And what was the hamburger one? Just the regular yeah, the old bacon. Bacon, bacon beast. No, it's called the bacon beast burger. No, they're all triple B. Huh, yeah. It's outstanding. Phenomenal. Um, so Thank if, you. If, you don't, if you don't, if you see less cows on the farms that you drive by, ladies and gentlemen, 
That's why. You only have calls Junior and Hardy's to blame. Because they've and upped you know the what? ante. Coming soon, coming soon, there will be the impossible version of all of those. No, I'm sorry, there won't be that. But, you know, a man can dream. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy, rolling this sports program along. Woohoo! It's time to hit the hard one. Diamonds. And the ice hockey rinks. A little puck talk, a little hoop talk. And, uh, I don't know, we're not in the negotiations, but a little CBA talk right here on the Sports Hot Show! Come on, Rob, put your hands together. Let's get a clap button or something. Woo! So, I mean, we took a couple weeks off, and um, prior to that, we were wrapping up the NFL season. And we've, we've been saying this, you know, we've done a little bit on the Lakers, a little bit in the NBA. And we've been waiting, you know, for baseball news and stuff. We haven't really talked a lot of hockey, bits and pieces here and there. But now uh, we're going to be starting to uh, focus our attention on these uh, three sports. Two that are in progress and one that is still uh, holding out. One that just uh, canceled the second week of games today. Because, you know, why not? But don't worry, it's only March 9th. They will still, my prediction is they're still going to find a way to not lose any money and get all 162 games in. If we're still talking about this in April, if we're still locked out in April, then that's going to go bye-bye. So, you know, money talks and, you know, fans walk. But we'll get to that. That's sure. We sure will. We sure will. So uh, I see it here on your uh, Topic Thunder uh, showgram list. Uh, we want to start off with the, uh, the NHL. That is the National Hockey League uh, for all you MLS fans who are joining us here tonight only watch the MLS. Hey, by the way, buddy, um, oh boy. the MLS is in full gear. <laughs> Super. You know, I only found out like a couple weeks ago that the, the team from New York, New York City Football Club, they won it last year. And the, I didn't, there was no parade. You know what they had? They had a, they had a gathering in a park. They didn't go in the Canyon of Heroes for, you know, ticker tape parade? No, none of that at all. None. That's a shame. But they are the defending champions of the uh, Major League Soccer. Uh, they launched another new team there the other night. Place There's one is... in Charlotte now, right? Yeah, that's where it was, Charlotte. The place is packed. Now at least, at least this basketball, week, at least for the opening night. <laughs> basketball, football, hockey, no baseball, but they have you know Major League Soccer down there in the Carolinas, so they're good. Yeah, well, uh, Rob is uh, putting together his Major League Soccer uh, special Edition My commentary. Show. Yeah. Uh, I, we, we're still waiting for it one of these days. But, uh, but it's going to be in the same, you know, extra bonus DVD as my full conference-by-conference conference breakdown for the next three years until we get to an expanded playoff. So stay tuned for that. For all you members of the fan club, that'll be coming in a special package just for you all. Oh, unbelievable. All right, Powell, let's start off with uh, some, some puck talk here. Uh, a lot's been going on uh, last uh, couple of months here. But at the end of it all, uh, there's still, you know, we're getting to the point now where teams, after the All-Star break, um, playoff talk, positioning, and everything else, uh, where we're going. But your Capitals right now are uh, in a um, 0-0 um, uh, deadlock right now in, in the beautiful city of Edmonton in Alberta, Canada right now. Uh, the Oilers have 20 shots on goal in your boy Sansonov there. And uh, looking good. And your Capitals have nine shots on goal. And Ovi... Uh, tied Yager's record 
He's yeah. uh, you know, he's on his way. From one, from I love when when people say around here X capital, Yager, <laughs> which is not untrue. He was a capital for a couple of weeks. His um, that was a bad, very dark period in capitalist history, and they finally said we're just gonna. The one time Ted has said we're just gonna tear everything down and start over again. Please be patient with us, and well. You know the rest is history. The rest is history, as they say. And um, the uh, upstart Montreal Canadiens now under the guide of uh, Marty Saint Louis behind the bench, uh, playing the Vancouver Canucks. Two games on tonight. That's it. But uh, where do you want to start, man? Uh, you know. See, by the way, we're old because it seems like every new coach is someone that I just saw playing like an hour and a half ago. Like, and I heard that Martin St. Louis was the new coach of the Canes. Like, isn't he still playing for, you know, isn't he still on the Rangers team? What happened? Wasn't he playing for Tampa Bay like an hour and a half ago? Now he's coaching? I thought he was a player coach. But no, he's been retired for and a And with no now. coaching experience outside of some peewee hockey. It's good stuff. Yeah, but you see that a lot now in baseball, in hockey, in basketball. They take players. Like Jason Kidd walked out of out of off the court, retired, and then became the coach of the Bucks like an hour and a half later. So... You see that a lot because I think, you know, in those sports, they're like, look, you just played the game. You know the game. You can relate to players because you're not far from their age. Um, there's more of a, a hierarchy in NFL and moving up the ladder. But I think the other sports, like baseball, the same thing. Hey, you retired an hour and a half ago. You were a catcher. You know, like, you know, Matheny and Sosha. Hey, great. Why don't you come and manage the team that you played for? Um, the thing that's of most interest around here in Capitals land besides – um, who's going to – should we or should we not trade for Mark andre Fleury? Because although Vitek Vanacek is doing great, Samsonov one night he's good, the next night he's getting shelled, and he's just – you can't trust him. It's just no, you don't know what you're going to get with him. He was supposed to be the number one guy around here, the heir apparent when Braden Holby went off to you know Vancouver uh, in – Vanacek was a fill-in because we all know what happened, the sad story about Henrik Lundqvist. Um, and he's turned out to be our number one guy. So the other thing besides are we do we or do we not trade for a veteran goalie, a rent-a-goalie, is this whole thing with Alex Ovechkin. This is what I wanted your opinion on. He is being not here. In the local markets, obviously people are coming to his defense. And I think anyone with half a brain would come to his defense but there are too many members of the national media, like Greg Wyshynski, for instance, who are still, you know, a week or so into the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And this is where we'll get into a little bit of politics, but just a tiny, tiny bit, are still complaining that Ovechkin, as the highest profile Russian athlete here in the United States, should be doing more to speak out against what's happening uh, in Russia. And they're talking about how in the past he's pledged his support to Vladimir Putin and he should be renouncing Putin and renouncing the war and he has an obligation and blah, 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 blah. And I think people need to slow their role in that one. If for no other reason, then we're not talking about a guy who lives in the United States and, or is from a country like the United States where you can say anything about your world leaders and you have constitutional protection and, Nobody's at risk if you say you don't like Trump or you don't like Biden. No one's, you know, you're not going to be hauled off to, you know, a gulag somewhere. At least not this year. But here's a guy who's, you know, his whole family is back in Russia. And he's a maniacal dictator, not Ovechkin. I mean, Putin. And sure, you know, if you'd like to go home again, if you'd like to see your family, 
you say, sure, I support the guy in charge. And if somebody puts you on the spot and says, what do you think about the invasion of Ukraine by your home country? You have to think, well, you know, uh, what am I going to say so that I don't run the risk of any harm coming to my family and I'd like to return to my homeland one day? So that's a that's a terrible position that he's put in. And what he said was, you know, war is terrible and all sorts of things that were very neutral, sort of leaning ever so slightly to the Ukraine side, but really just right down the middle of, War is terrible. I'm sorry we're in this position and nothing that's going to get him in trouble. And people keep saying that's not enough. But this is not like a regular, you know, U.S. born athlete talking about, you know, social justice issues. Yeah. And we, and we all rem- we all remember all the. Uh, all the uh, journalists asking all the American sports players when we invaded countries. Yeah. I mean, this one carries the weight of. Things that we don't, we can't relate to here. Look, you nailed it. There really doesn't need to be anything else said about it because you nailed it. His family is in Russia, right? That's it. I mean, he's and and he's from Russia, and his his leader and his country have invaded a another country. And you know, every hour on the hour, there's um, not only horrible stories coming out of what's going on in Ukraine, but. Um, with all the Western allies right now, they're absolutely crippling the the Russian country and its people, its economics, its just general, you yep. know, because a lot of people don't understand, even though Putin is a, you know, he's a dictator pretty much, but they're a very Western-influenced country, Russia. They, they, they have, up to now, been enjoying a lot of the same kind of things that we have here in the States as far as basic stuff, whether it's iPhones to... You know, Starbucks coffee shops and everything else. I mean, um, but I think you just nailed it. There's, there's no better way to explain it than the way you just did. He's in a, um, you, you know, Alex Ovechkin and his wife and family don't want war. They don't want to pe- see people suffering. But he's, yeah. o- he's over here doing his job, right? And he's got to think about the protection of his own family. And he's not a, a, a mouthpiece or a shill for Putin. I just think, again, if he's pledged his support for him in the past, it's because he is a dictator. And although they, they do enjoy a lot of the Western trappings, like iPhones and other things in and Burger King in Russia, you know what they don't enjoy? They don't enjoy good old-fashioned democracy. So Yeah, but you know it, what? I mean, you look at even the, the former... It's, it's so... T- like, if you take the war side of it aside, right? You take the horrible thing that's going on, right? with the war just here in this country right now you take a side one side or the other the other side's gonna rip you to shreds like so there's there's a lot of us out there there's a lot of independence there's a lot of centrist and stuff like that myself included i'm an independent that you know you you there's the people out there that are afraid to make their opinion because it's it's even trickled down to the local level that oh my god if you're you know if you're a trump supporter or you're you're a lefty liberal Democrat or something like that. It's so polarized. So even without the war, a lot of people just don't want to say anything any anyway. And especially if you're like in the entertainment industry or you're a sports figure or something like that, because you have a fan base and stuff like that. Whether you're the richest, the most popular, or a movie star or whatever, there's gonna be a you're gonna get berated on one side or the other. Yes, this is even on a a worse level because there's people dying. There's people getting slaughtered. There's a country that's basically going to get 
wiped off the face of the earth here. Uh, the, the longer this goes and the worse it gets for, you know, Putin and his leadership over there because they, they don't want to lose this thing or whatever the hell it is. But, yeah, I think I, I really don't see any more expansion on it than the fact that what you just said because put yourself in Alex Ovechkin's shoes. His family yeah. is back in Russia. Well, I mean, what do they want him to do and say? I mean, he didn't start the war. He, the fact, the fact that he even answered questions is—I don't want to say brave, but it is. is look, he gave you—he didn't duck away from the questions. He said, "I'm gonna. You want to ask me questions? Go ahead." But I think people have to understand a little context. It's not all about sound bites and the whole gotcha. But it is, but it is, like, that's the problem. Sometimes, I mean, no, it is, but at some point you got to say, you know what, this is deeper than just, hey, what's your opinion on the war? It's, there's a lot more tied into it. And you're right, no matter what, even before the war, everything he says about Russia has to be very calculated and very guarded and, and very neutral at worst. You know, you can't. You know, it's just he he's facing pressures. He's got to ask one guy. You and I will never have to face that. one guy. <laughs> ask ask Panarin, right? What he went through, right? Mm-hmm. You, you want you want to understand? Like Ovechkin probably so. Look what Panarin went through. This is before all this right. shit went down. Panarin right. had to take a leave of absence to secure the own safety of his own family because of his right. views and opinions. And this is before the, the, the Ukraine invasion. So yeah. now you added him. Yeah, I know o- o- Ovi's been somewhat supportive of it, you know, and I don't have a, I don't know. You know, just like I said, we're doing a. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, you know what, just leave him alone. It's not, it. he's got enough to worry about without figuring out how to say what people want him to hear. The, look. People hearing what, you know what I'm trying to say. I'm all flustered. I do. It actually gets me very angry. But, I mean, it, all of us would have to get a long-ass clipboard, right? So every social thing that's going on and every sport and every actor, and then you got to walk down and knock on everybody's door down the street, right? Because you know what? These guys are athletes. They're famous people and everything else. It gets, and today's social media, it gets, you know, it gets amplified so much. Yeah. You know, and you, you know, you go back to Drysdale in the beginning, right? And the, and the, and the, uh, the Brady Bunch thing. And they're talking about how he's like, it's it's not a glamorous baseball life, you know, being a star and playing in front of 50,000 people and stuff. Um, there's the bad sides of it. And, you know, this guy makes a lot of money playing hockey. His job is to put the puck in the net and for his team to win and all that stuff. And geopolitical, if he's made some comments before in the past. When war is a different thing, human rights, I just think there's a lot of hypocritical stuff going on here. Bottom line, Rob, it's absolutely terrible in 2022 this is happening. The other thing, too, is, look, there's been war and suffering in Africa and the Middle East, Syria. You know, I mean, look look what everybody forgets. This country invaded Iraq, and a lot of civilians def- died. Um, so we can't get too political here on a stupid sports show. No. And, and I don't think... I think... A lot of sports reporters or hockey journalists that, that even have a hard time asking decent hockey questions should be trying to get gotcha moments from uh, Alex Ovechkin. And I just think you said it absolutely right. He's His family's in Russia, and he has to think that way. He has to be careful. Yeah. Yeah, as I said, we're not going to – we don't talk politics here, really. But Sometimes I just, we do. I, 
it bled into the sports world. And I think, you know, this is the one time where I don't think there's another side to this. It's leave Ovechkin alone and, you know, get your commentary from other people. <laughs> so I, I wish I should have recorded the the press conference he had, but it, and it was very – so you could hear him struggling to come up with the right thing to say, not just because he's has trouble with English, but because he was trying to figure out what can I say – to placate the media and not get my family killed. And he was very much down the center without sounding pro-war, pro-Putin. So, and you should see the look on his face. You know, he had a hat on pulled like way down and he was looking down at the, at the floor while he was talking and looked, you know, very morose. So. Yeah, because at the end of the day, no matter what his opinion is, there, there, there are, Obviously, Ukrainian soldiers and civilians dying right now. And there are Russian soldiers dying right now. Yeah. People are dying. And a lot of them are young kids. Right. At the end of the day, it's people are dying. And, and Alex and, Ovechkin isn't going to stop the war. Nope. But the Klitschko's may. The, the Klitschko brothers, the boxers, are taking up arms against Russia for Ukraine. So, Which is, you know, I just think it's funny. And it's kind of cool that, you know, you've coming out of your, your, in your late 30s, retired boxers and you're saying, you know, we're going to pick up a weapon and fight for our country. It's, it's kind of cool. You know, they don't die, but I mean, it's kind of cool that they've, it's just that. absolutely terrible that in this day and age, this is yeah. happening all over again. And like I said, uh, everybody, hello, hello, hello. Uh, the Syrians have been wiped off the, uh, face of the earth. Um, there's terrible stuff going yeah. on all over the place. And, and this is just another place that it's happening. And, all yeah. we can do is, is hope and pray that this this comes to an end soon. And but you know the human race just doesn't learn. You're a history nope. teacher. You know this. No, you know I, I'm one more thing before we go back. Before we transition back to the softer side of the world, I tell my students all the time. I say history, at least American history, and probably world history. But I teach American history. American history is a circle. History moves around in a circle. The names and the places change, but the thoughts, the ideas, the patterns of behavior never do. What we want to do is get history to move in a line where it's always progressing, learning from its mistakes, looking backwards, saying we're not going to do that again and getting better and better, but yet we still seem to be stuck in a circle going around and around. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's uh no that 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 deep that, that deep breath and pause that me and Rob have during these discussions of politics and race and stuff like that is because we care deeply about it and that pause is like all right this I can't open up this other can because we'll no. never get back no you know so anyway um you want to talk about the Lakers. Well, yeah, I'll just give you the quick uh, Lakers rundown as this ship, speaking of, you know, sinking ships, I don't know if we weren't speaking of sinking <laughs> ships. Uh, the Lakers, let's see, they are ninth in the Western Conference with a sparkling 28 and 36 record. How's that experiment working out, everybody? Uh, LeBron James is already talking about his post-Lakers future, wanting to play wherever his son Bronny plays, which may be in the G League. So look for LeBron James to finish his career in the G League. And now... Um, Russell Westbrook's wife um, saying she's getting uh, death threats and death wishes from people on social media because Laker fans are not happy with the way that Russell Westbrook's been performing. And he hasn't been performing all that great in his first season with the Lakers. But well, he's 73, isn't he? You what? He's 73 years old, isn't he? He's way up there, but he's not as old. Um, so 
uh, there's death threats there, and they've already released DeAndre Jordan, who then signed with the 76ers because, you know, he knows where the good times are. The only player that's not ready for Ingles' side is Anthony Davis, who's constantly injured. So, you know, that 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 Titanic, <laughs> that that's the iceberg is coming. And um, whatever they were trying to accomplish there is certainly not working, and I don't know what the future holds. But uh, LeBron James' player, still top five LeBron James's coach and team builder not so much um so that's your Ingleside Lakers update hey they're ninth in the Western uh, Conference pal I mean you know I mean there's still hope um you know sure I mean hey, 28 they're in the playoffs, wins baby they're, they're in the playoffs they're well they're in the uh the right now they'd be in the play-in tournament this nonsense they've dumb. done the last couple of years dumb yeah it is dumb <laughs> but you know They'll always have the 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 COVID shortened 2020 championship when they only had to play 60 games and they played all their playoff games in a bubble in Orlando. That's not too many asterisks, you know. Now people argued against the asterisk after that season, but now you look back after one full season last year and then this year where he's with the Lakers and you think mm, maybe there should have been an asterisk because a full season doesn't seem to have the same punch. So. He gads, man. A uh, little Good update. Luck. Your caps have just gone up 1-0 on the Edmonton Oilers. Backstrom, your boy Backstrom with a goal. He's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a national treasure. He sure is. He sure is. Well, we, we'll continue to, to wish the Lakers good luck on this amazing uh, team uh, and season campaign that they have going going on here, which has about right. six months left in the season. Correct, right? So there's tons of it left. I believe right? so, at least. Yeah. You know. Uh, I think, you know, Groundhog Day, six more weeks of basketball season or something like that. All right. Uh, you got something to say about uh, what's going on in Golden State? Uh, no, once again, I, I we don't have time for that discussion. No, but, you, you, don't, know, that's, you don't that's, want to do that? You don't want to go into somebody's stupid comments? No, because I don't. Insensitive? I, I, there's no time for hypocrisy today. Next week, okay. when we have hopefully less football news. Uh, we can talk more hypocrisy. That's why I wanted to talk about the Phil Mickelson thing with the Saudi golf tournament and what he said, but there's just no time for that. Perhaps next week, but not this week. You know, rich guys in their comments. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. All right, pal. So uh, baseball, uh, April 13th now, uh, the game's been canceled through uh, first couple series. Um, so we, we just wait. You, you know this is going to end. You it know, is. there's going to be baseball, folks. They're They're only, you know. They're like fifty cents away from making a deal here, you know, and uh, and maybe uh, I guess the thing that's standing out for me, and maybe uh, it looks like you have a sheet of paper here. You're gonna run off some things. I have things. something I want to share with you. All then. right, go ahead. You share, and then um, I just wanted to to talk about some of the stuff that they're. Going so back this is about. a press release that came out last Wednesday or last Thursday from the Bismarck Larks, a minor league baseball team. I'm sorry, a summer collegiate baseball team. This is official on their stationery and everything. Official press release from the Bismarck Larks. This is, if we had a, you know, we have a, we have a Dope of the Week segment. If we had a Hero of the Week segment, it would be to um, the Bismarck Larks. Um, the Bismarck Larks, this is the reading from the press release. The Bismarck Larks, a summer collegiate baseball team in the Northwoods League, is banning MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred from games Tom. until the lockout is resolved. The Bismarck Larks believe in using fun to make a difference in the community. We have sellout games, fireworks nights, and so many fun theme nights in which baseball is just the driving factor. 
We give back to the community in forms of money, books, food drives, and countless other ways. Since the lockout began on December 2nd, 2021, it has been clear that MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred hates baseball and hates fun. This goes against our core values as a summer collegiate baseball team. We stand with all MLB players, including the NWI alumni. You ready? Max Scherzer, Ben Zobrist, Brandon Crawford, Chris Sale, Pete Alonzo, Jordan Zimmerman, and Curtis Granderson, among others. A couple of well-known household names there. I say that parenthetically. We officially announced we are banning Manfred from Larks games until the lockout is resolved. The home opener for the Bismarck's Bismarck Larks takes place on June 1st, 2022 against the Rochester Honkers. That's a great name. The Rochester Honkers. Let's hit dingers, bat flip, and jog around the bases all summer long. Sign the Bismarck Larks. So I say to them, nice job. Really? It's a token gesture, but I like it. Exactly. The token is very small. I don't think Manfred was ever coming by there to watch a game anyway. So, but You know what? It's a start. Yeah. Just, like, just like the guys at change.org who have opened up an MLB opening day protest. And at this juncture right now, uh, they're looking for 100 signatures. That's it. And so far, one person <laughs> has signed. Okay. All smart baseball fans know that this is just going to end soon. Give me a couple bucks here or there, and we're going to. It is, and we're going to have baseball. All right. So, and, and one of the issues, one of the issues that's come up today, in fact, after before they announced the the dismissal of the second week, is apparently the international draft is now one of the major sticking points. Yes. Uh, the ba- baseball wants an international draft as opposed to just you know people sign international players willy nilly. Um, the union doesn't want it, but the league would like to institute it. The league believes the issue is tied to the elimination of draft pick compensation for free agents who leave their old teams. So apparently, after all the talk about the competitive balance tax and service time and arbitration pools and so on, that it could just come down to an agreement on the international draft. Either way, it seems like they're close. But every time we think that they're close we find out that they couldn't be further apart. Um, Major League Baseball has uh, launched a $1 million fund to support spring training workers impacted by canceled games, which matches the amount of the money that the Players Association announced last week. So at least the players in this, when I say players, I mean management and labor, they're trying to help out the people who are truly affected. And that is, you know, the minimum wage workers and others who work at these stadiums in the grounds crew and in concessions and, you know, millionaires and billionaires can miss some spring training games and maybe a couple of paychecks. But, you know, the people who live paycheck by paycheck can't afford a lockout. And for the ones that never get talked about in these scenarios, at least somebody is making an attempt to, you know, give them a little bit of something, something while we're waiting for this to get resolved. Here's the only... Like, you know, I don't think anybody should be surprised about this. I think the most disappointing thing about this is that they could have started this shit back in January. They should have, you know, they could have started talking about this, you know, in December. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just this last minute shit. And, and then, you know, they wouldn't have to raise that money for all these employees and everything else if they had it just bumped and got serious about it. Why is, why is it now all of a sudden it's serious? Why? Because it has to be because now you're up against the fact that April's around the corner and everything else. And, you know, they put all these schedules into place. They put all these, you know, the spring training, all this other crap. It's just, to no. me, that's my, like, 
discipline. Like I said, I, this is different. Like I said, it's money that me and you and most of the average Joes out there, you know. And the, the baseball stadiums are going to be filled, and you know everybody's yep. going to spend their money and hot dogs and beers and all that other crap and stuff. The thing is, like I said, when you hear they're raising a million, they didn't just get it done because ultimately, whether they do it like in the next twenty four to forty eight hours. Or if they hadn't done it back in December, it's all the same shit, right? They're all going to still be making money. More well, money than anything else. Here's here's the real problem for baseball. And that is, in 2022, there is no good side of this. Nobody is taking the owner's side. No one's taking the player's side. Nobody's really invested in it. They see it as, you know, money versus money. And who cares? But what they're arguing about is really just going to financially benefit owners and players whereas the real issue that's facing baseball and this is why this is a terrible time for them to go on strike is when you when the dust settles and everybody says okay we're gonna get paid and you're gonna get paid and we've settled all the money issues the game is still fundamentally flawed it is still a regional game it's never going to be a national game and the issues of pace of play and the rules in place to encourage people either, you know, for the three true outcomes and how analytics driven it is, that's what's hurting baseball. And so they can come back and say, we, Hey, we're playing baseball again and settle in for, you know, more four hour games. Can I ask you something there? I want to talk about this real quick before we wrap up the show here. Yes. I, you know, I really think that the biggest problem, I think, you know, and I just started getting involved with the Little League for my son here, and I was at the Little League meeting last night, and just re- and evaluations this weekend and stuff, and the, the game is so great, and uh, the people that volunteer their time, I'm going to be volunteering some coaching time this year, too, and uh, I'm really excited about it, and, and it was a great turnout by the kids and stuff, um, so it was awesome, there was a big sign up and everything else. And that's what I'm sitting back here thinking about. You know, when you talk about the the state of play, the game, the pace of play, all that other crap, you know, the, the Major League Baseball has taken the game away from the kids in the, in the terms of, you know, how does a kid get a, acclimated to watching the game if there's, like, rarely any day games anymore and weeknight games, you know, even hockey, too. I mean, 7, 7.30, we get lucky here uh, sometimes a bit, but... I mean, baseball pretty much is everything is 8 o'clock. And, and with a game that, yeah, it takes so long to play, it's been taken away from kids to able to be watching on a regular basis to get more kids involved with it. Because um, I think, you know, we're all guys, the traditional part of the game, I got no problem with it. I don't care if they play 9, 12, 15 innings or whatever. I don't care how long the pitcher takes on the mound and how long the guy takes at the, at the bat. Because you know what? When I was a kid... I watched the games all the time, and to me, that's I was accepted. That was part of the game, and that was the art of the game. That's why I loved it so much. And then when I was in my teens and in my twenties, um, I lo- and all those great series we've talked about here on the show that I love so much. But I, I loved and appreciated because I was able to watch the games. I was able to go to afternoon baseball games. I was able to watch afternoon games. I was able to watch six o'clock start games during the week. You know. And that has been taken away from a generation of kids. And I think that above anything, the access of kids now not being able to watch live games at decent hours for kids to really get involved with it, they're all living on watching it on highlights on apps now. Yeah. That's yeah, the that's, biggest I con. think that's, that's yeah, all sports are have succumbed to that, which is nobody wants to go to games as much as they want to just 
watch the red zone or look at their phone or get highlights from Twitter or Instagram or wherever. It's all just, and, and that's, that speaks to the problem with baseball is kids of all ages would rather, you know, get the highlights on sports center on their phone then sit through, you know, four hours with a lot of, you know, pitching changes and guys stepping out of the batter's box. And, but if the first inning on. doesn't start till 8 o'clock, 8.15, that's brutal. But if you move that yeah. game up to an earlier start or an afternoon game, at least the kid's going to get to watch two, three, four, maybe five innings of baseball. And hockey, uh, even football, you get afternoon games, you know, the kids are involved. There's an opportunity to watch this stuff. I, baseball has eliminated that. We've said that many times on the show. The issue is money. Yeah, I know. you know those kids aren't driving that. But there's train. obviously no problem with money in Major League Baseball, right? I don't think it'd be a big deal if they move things up an hour or two to get the kids involved. No, don't I, tell I, me I'm Major League Baseball years. can't do it. You can't start World Series games where the first pitch is going across the mound at eight thirty. <laughs> you can't, unless you're going to play all the games on the weekend, which you're not going to do. Sucks. You know, there was something there's something great about day baseball, like real playoff games. It's not not the first game of the opening divisional round series. I mean, throw a, 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 a you know, an early game. A daylight World Series game at people and just, you know, see what happens. The world is not going to come to an end. And you know what? People who want to watch will figure out a way to watch. It's like they figure out a way to watch all the NCAA tournament games when they start at noon. Exactly. On Thursday and Friday. And the, the, and the Olympics that we love so much. Just play the games during the day, some of them, some of the high-stakes games, and see what happens. I promise you the ratings will not drop down to zero. I mean, they're pretty much bad already. You know, the World Series games, first of all, you don't get World Series games on football Sundays. But World Series games, playoff games, they never rate as high as a run-of-the-mill regular season NFL game, ever. They're chasing every other team, every other sport, I mean. So why not? Why not mix it up a bit, you know? So uh, the bottom line is when they come back, and they will. Baseball's not going away. They're going to come back, and they're going to play. I still think they're going to get all 162 games in once they start feeling the pinch. Um, There's no, no pinch. Money coming in. There's no pinch. Once the players feel the pinch of not getting paid, when that whatever you're making, whether it's assures or money at quarter million a day or whatever, once that money starts to become an issue, they'll get their act together. But when the dust settles, as I said, they still have the fundamental problems of making the game more accessible yes. and not clinging to this notion of baseball is a great game. We don't need to change it. There's stuff on the field that needs to be changed off the field. Nobody cares about it except the people that are getting the paychecks, but off the field stuff, everyone cares about. And you're, this is the worst possible time for a work stoppage as baseball drifts more and more into a niche sport sort of presentation. Yeah, one last thing uh, the guys are bringing up in the Little League mini- meeting last night is that, um, you know, across the, you know, especially out here on Long Island, they were talking about they're losing a lot of the kids because of the pace of the game. And, you know, they, you, you know, they were emphasizing for us as coaches and stuff to make practices fun, make the games fun, Little League. Don't be trying to go out there and just, you know, you'll have this attitude of, you know, going 14 and all, whatever. Uh, get all the kids involved, yeah. you know, no matter what level and everything else. And, you know, um, you know, I'm sitting there listening to this and then in the back of the mind thing, and, you know, and here's baseball in a lockout, which is just like, it's ridiculous. But anyway, we digress. Yeah. Um, steroids, not going anywhere. And you want to talk about Gita leaving the Marlins? 
No, I just <laughs> I found it curious without anything. He was leaving. Um, and the steroid testing, my only issue with if they're going to stop testing for steroids now that they've, they've waved the white flag, does that mean we can expect to see Clemens and Bonds? Why and the not? Other yeah, let them all in. Steroid era players let into the Hall of Fame. That was all. That's the hey, I'm going to start taking steroids and try out for a team. Does that mean they're coming back? <laughs> well, not coming back. Does that mean they're going to start getting into the Hall of Fame now that they're not even testing for it? So clearly they're saying it's okay to use steroids now because we're not going to test for it. So. It's amazing, right, how all of a sudden they just don't give a shit anymore. All of a sudden, on their last year of eligibility, now that Bonds and Clemens can't get in except through the other committees, um, the regular voting, the 10 years is up, whatever the time period is, now they say, oh, yeah, now that you're no longer eligible for regular admission to the Hall of Fame, uh, we're going (laughs) to stop testing for steroids. So, sorry, bad timing in our part. You just have to believe it's like Mr. Burns from... uh... Simpsons is running this whole show. <laughs> yeah, just like when Homer Simpson complained about apples in the vending machine the next day. It was all apples. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, good Baseball stuff. is Mr. Burns, and the players are Homer Simpson. All right, too much. All right, so you you had a, wow, a rare soccer note. We were joking about MLS, MLS before, but you, uh, look, I mean, Russia got kicked out of the World Cup. I mean, yeah, they're just going to, you know, this is just the way it's going to go. Yeah, okay, that's enough of that. All right, there we go. Moving on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's two hours in. We want to thank all of you who've hung in uh, this long uh, for your favorite and my favorite segment of the sports honchos, and that is um, Rob's uh, coup d'état here, as always, as he wraps up the uh, sports honchos. And without further ado, it's time for the go. Dope of the week. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's right. It's that time again. The Gags Gang and I, as I tell you every week, or two weeks, or three weeks, or whatever it is, the Gags Gang and I spend countless hours, countless, because we can't count, each week in the basement of the Ghost Sports Media Complex to come up with each week's winner, and you can. Yes, you. For absolutely no reward, save for our undying respect and gratitude, help pilot the show by nominating your own Dope of the Week. Please to be using the hashtag D-O-T-W on Please Twitter, at Cuthbert Live, at Bitter and Rage, at Sports Honchos, at Go Sports Media Company. I'm co-, co, not company. Don't write the MPA. <laughs> and who will be carrying the mythical Sports Honchos Dope of the Week cup around the ice rink of shame this week? Once again, we didn't have to travel very far for this one. Staying local, and this hurts me. Down to my soul. Doug Williams, senior advisor for your Washington Commander Skins. Way to go, Doug! Again? Doug Williams, former Redskins quarterback and Super Bowl 22 MVP, is the senior advisor to the Wolf Skins and team president Jason Wright. On February 24th, former Baylor University head coach Art Bryles was hired by head coach Hugh Jackson to be the offensive coordinator at Grambling State University. Grambling State is, of course, the alma mater of Doug Williams. Bryles coached Baylor from 2008 to 2015 as one of their most successful coaches, having coached the Bears to two Big 12 championships, four top 25 finishes, and under his watch had one Heisman Trophy winner in Robert Griffin Dutrois, who, not coincidentally, played for the Redskins, not the Commanders. So why is Bry- why was Bryles available for Grambling? Bryles was fired in 2016 in the midst of a sexual misconduct scandal stemming from the sexual assault conviction of two former Baylor football players after the conviction Baylor commissioned an independent investigation into the way Baylor managed the reporting of sexual assault and misconduct claims. The report by the law firm Pepper Hamilton 
revealed that Baylor had mishandled the reporting of multiple instances of criminal conduct by the members of the Baylor football team and specifically mentioned that Bryles and former school president Ken Starr, yes, that Ken Starr, had failed to report allegations or take any further action upon receiving notice of the allegations. Now, in his post-Baylor life, Bryles had other coaching gigs. He was a volunteer assistant with the Cleveland Browns under when Jackson was the head coach. He coached in Italy. Didn't know they had football in Italy. And he was a high school coach in Texas. He even spent one day as an assistant coach with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL until Hamilton reversed course in response to public outcry over the hiring of Bryles. Although Bryles has become something of a pariah, this hiring at Grambling was to be the final stop on the Bryles' redemption tour on his way to another head coaching gig. Enter Doug Williams. Williams, who played quarterback in the NFL and USFL from 1978 to 1989, is one of the most famous Grambling alumni, and he was twice the head football coach there from 1998 to 2003 and 2011 to 2013. Therefore, it is only natural for the media to come to Williams for his comments on the Bryles hiring. The Washington Post on February 24th asked Williams for his opinion of the Bryles hire, and Williams said, and I quote, I'm not a fan at all. I'm very, very disappointed in Grambling. I really am. I talked to the AD a couple times. They knew where I stood, but they did it, and if that's what they want to do, that's fine. I'm out. I'm out, he says, as in done with the university, cutting all ties with Grambling because they hired a man who was fired for his alleged role in a sexual misconduct scandal at his place of employment. A sexual misconduct scandal at his place of employment. Let that sink in for a moment. <laughs> now, did I mention for whom Doug Williams works? That's right, this guy. Good afternoon. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Little Danny Snyder and the Washington Redskins, Commanders, Wolfskins, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> Any guesses as to what Snyder and the Virginia Commanders have been accused of over the last decade? That's right, sexual misconduct. So, if you are keeping score at home, let me recap. Doug Williams has turned his back on his alma mater for hiring someone fresh from a sexual misconduct scandal, but he will still accept paychecks from an organization currently embroiled in a sexual misconduct scandal. Mr. Pot, meet Mr. Kettle. <laughs> and I love, I love Doug Williams. He is a Redskins, never a commander's legend. He won a Super Bowl for us in 1987. Or 1988, if you believe the original crest of the Commanders, <laughs> and did so by authoring a 35-point second quarter, which is still a Super Bowl record. However, I cannot jump on this bandwagon. Not only does it reek of hypocrisy, but it feels just a smidge insincere. Did I mention that Grambling fired Williams early in the third season of his second go-around there after going 1-12 over his final 13 games? Williams is not the only person criticizing the hire. In the aftermath of the hiring, there were multiple media outlets calling for Grambling to reverse course on Bryles. However, none of them were working for an organization accused of the same misconduct that they were criticizing. Now, we all love a good second act story, and we root for the salvation of those who have lost their way. But perhaps the cross Bryles carries is too much for even the most forgiving amongst us to overlook. Luckily for all of us, hypocrisy is always welcome in the church of public outrage. The postscript to this story is that Bryles resigned from Grambling less than a week later in the face of all of the criticism over his hiring. Upon resigning, Bryles said, quote, I feel that my continued presence will be a distraction to you and your team, which is the last thing I want. I have the utmost respect for Grambling State and for your players. There is no truth to the rumor that he resigned to take a job with the Washington Commanders. So, Doug Williams, for not recognizing the colors of matching metallic pieces of cookware, <laughs> for bringing shame upon two incidents.
substitutions for which you were a standout both on and off the field and for being more tone deaf than William Hung and Linda McCartney. You are the Sports Honcho's Dope of the Week. Congrats, Doug. Your certificate is in the mail. Way to go, Dougie, baby! Woohoo! We're gonna have to we have gonna have to build a DOTW hall of shame, I guess. A hall of shame, indeed. With plaques and pictures of each DOTW you've done, and you have this recorded, I'm sure, right? Oh, of course. You know, documentation. Yeah. I mean, I know we have and it on tape, but I have I have backup files of all the DOT dubs. Fantastic. But we'll have. Isn't to, that fantastic? Once they build our library, and uh, yes. <laughs> Our, D- our Sports Hunters Hall of Fame. That has a nice ring to it, my friend. It sure does. Could be a segment. It could be. It could be a segment. We'll but- have to talk to the producers about that. Yes, but that is for another time and another place. Ladies and gentlemen. Woohoo! Been fun to get back out of here, Mr. Uh, Cuny. Yep. Only uh, almost three hours again. But, you know, we were away for two weeks, so. Gotta give the people some content. So look, as always. Yeah. We had a little technical snafu, but we're back now. <laughs> yeah, for uh, the thousands of people that were listening live, you'll hear the end of the show on the tape. The edit yeah. that's going to be back up here a little later. And we apologize, Dan. We're going to clean it up. We're going to clean it that's up for you. <laughs> In fact, we're only going to put the DOTW back up. So. That's it. That's the it. Whole and the outro here. All right, Rob. Take it away. Say goodnight to everybody. I want to personally thank everybody who's been listening, the audience. Thanks to the Dean Blundell Network and all that other good stuff. And I'll pass it over to you, Rob. Say goodnight to the good folks. Hey, everybody. As always, thank you. Thank you for listening, subscribing, following, rating us, reviewing us, giving us moral support. Financial support, not so much. But moral support, <laughs> you guys are the best. Uh, we don't have a show without you. We love you. We thank you. We appreciate you. Remember, see Willie Mays or any member of the Mays family, reach out, give them a hug, perhaps kiss the cheek. <laughs> COVID's going away, so open mouth kisses are now acceptable again. Uh, have a great, great rest of your week. Enjoy the weekend. Be nice to each other. Be safe out there. And as always, peace. Ow! Sports hard shows! Are out, baby! <laughs>